I was 22 years old, and I was working in downtown Manhattan by the seaport. I was in gym class. Mm-hmm. I was 17 years old. You trabajaba in in Long Island City. Cuando pasé Long Island City, yo llegaba ahí todos los días a las cinco de la mañana. Sí. Was driving normal down the street, and all of a sudden, this what I thought at the time, some crazy lady ran out the house, flapping her hands, like asking for help. It was during the home period of my high school. How old are you? Uh, 15. Ese día yo recuerdo que me levanté temprano, llamé a mi mamá, que vivía aquí en Queens. Yo vivía en ese entonces en Toms River, New Jersey. I was in high school, but I know it was my first period class and I had a math class with Mr. Chan, that was his name. I was around 10, so I was in sixth grade and we just had started. I was in PS90. I think I was in Mr. Setron's class. I think it was a math class. And I took a pass to go to the bathroom. And while I'm coming back, somebody screams through the hallway, yo, did you hear the, 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 the towers got hit? I'm like, what? Cohesion and a sense of togetherness is often a byproduct of turbulent times. That was the case on September 11th, 2001. It remained the case for weeks and even months after. But in time, the unity faded, and in its place, what remained were the seeds of suspicion and mistrust. What is it about these situations that, in the longer term, creates this type of wedge? They create divisions amongst us, that splinter out from the very moments that initially brought us together. I suspect it may have something to do with the sense of humanity dissipating and ideological gains becoming the metric by which we dictate priority and measure worth. Is it just a function of time passing? Some period that varies in length from person to person where we realize that we're okay with not caring as much anymore. When enough time passes, the resemblance between the creation of a Volk community by the Nazis in pre-World War II Germany is indistinguishable from white nationalist protests in Charlottesville, Virginia. When enough time passes, the ineptly trained and overzealous acts of the police officers that killed Eric Garner look nothing like the avoidable and relentless police brutality experienced by Rodney King. In time, the foreign policy decisions that led to the military intervention that resulted in unstable regime changes and unintended consequences in countries like Iraq and Libya don't remind us of the same actions taken in countries like Iran, Nicaragua, Venezuela, decades earlier. Maybe that's why history tends to repeat itself. In this special edition episode of the Sponsorate Podcast, you'll hear a collection of first-hand experiences from New Yorkers that lived through the events of that tragic day that is forever stamped in our collective history and continues to make an impression on our day-to-day lives. I'm convinced that it may be our generation's duty to continue sharing these stories to make sure that no amount of time could ever fog our memories and that we never forget. This first interview is also my first attempt at recording a telephone conversation for the podcast. 
and the quality isn't the best especially in the first few seconds where I'm trying to get the levels right however it definitely is listenable and just wanted to give you guys a heads up because there are a couple instances where being a phone conversation there's a bit of a lag and I speak over her she speaks over me etc but it's an important take from the youngest person that I interviewed that experienced 9-11 and I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on the quality Out of everybody that I've interviewed, you're the the youngest person. So obviously you are the youngest. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, you're the baby of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's good. That's good. There's nothing bad. Yeah. So it's a a different perspective. <laughs> so obviously you were the youngest. Yeah. When it actually happened. And yeah. How old are you uh, on 9/11, 2001? Or like what grade were you? So in? I was around, I was around 10, like 10. I was going to be 11 in November. I think I was around like sixth grade because okay. I remember that 9-11 happened like one year before we moved to DR. So I was in sixth grade and we just had started. I was in PS90. Gotcha. Shout out to PS90 um, in Queens. Back then, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so what I remember was that day we were in class. And um, so we were in class. I don't remember what class we were in, but um, we were there. And when we found out, it was kind of when everything had already happened. So both towers were already hit. Um, so they kind of already knew that it was a terrorist attack. They they really didn't think it was an accident at that point. Okay. Um, so they told us. And um, when we were in class, everybody, you know, everybody wanted to know the teachers because they, they already knew it was a terrorist attack. So everybody wanted to know. So they brought in um, the TVs, like from back in the day when, um, like the big TVs that were like on the strolley yeah. with the VCRs. They used to like roll it <laughs> Yeah, the they TV like rolled it in the, in the middle, and then they would like push it in, like in a, a yeah. Tall part. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, so they pushed it in, and they were like, you know, let's see the news because nobody really knew, and I guess they had to determine at that time too what to do with us because we were in the middle of class. Yeah. So, um, we thought we turned on the TV and we were watching the news, and you know, it was it was kind of everything happening at that point. So when we were watching the the TV, like one of the ladies, she was like, oh, um, you know, did like one of the teachers, she was like, does anybody have like parents or anything or anybody that works in the city? You know, and everybody that did raised their hand and said, and there was one of the kids that, um, that I don't know if both of the parents or one of, I don't know if it was a dad or the mom that worked in in the Twin Towers, actually. Oh, damn. And he was like, yeah, you know, wanna, yeah. So, and then when we were watching the TV, that's when they both went down. So, you know, everybody was in shock. And that, that kid that was in the classroom, he got really bad. Because yeah. at that point, nobody knew anything. So, he didn't know, you know, where, where was his parent at. So, he got really bad. So... That's when crazy. everybody saw that the towers went down, yeah. 
because so when everybody saw the, the towers went down real quick they don't like obviously they couldn't know at that time like the teachers and stuff and everybody was trying to yeah. figure it out but it was crazy to, yeah like just you know put it on tv in front of all the little kids and then you know obviously they couldn't know that the towers were gonna yeah fall, but that's crazy. That must have been traumatizing. Kind yeah. Of. So, at the, yeah, at that time, nobody knew that that was going to happen. They just kind of wanted to get information themselves. But, you know, like, who do you call yeah. when that's happening, you know, to, like, figure out, like, oh, okay. And back like, then, exact, like, exact details. Nobody really knew. Exactly. And back then, it wasn't like now that, you know, you could just, like, Google it or go on your phone. Plane number one was American Airlines Flight 11 out of Boston, Massachusetts. It struck at 8.46 a.m. Plane number two was United Airlines Flight 175, also out of Boston, Massachusetts, and it struck at 9.03 a.m. The tower hit by plane number two was actually the first to collapse, and it collapsed at 9.59 a.m. The remaining tower, which was the first to be impacted, later collapsed at 10.28 a.m. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and the teacher's like, and the teacher's like, are you sure? Are you sure that it'll be so I'm like, yeah, it's but okay. How, how did they, I'll when go with her. You, you, guys, <laughs> you guys were inside and then what, they made like an announcement or something and said, okay, everybody line up outside? Or like, how was that? Like, how'd you get from inside to outside? Um, no. So we were, we were told to stay in the classroom. And then while the parents started, because they really didn't tell any parents to come and pick their kids up. I guess parents were just doing that on their own, you know, because they were afraid. Yeah. So when when they came they would tell you so like when soila came they went and they got me and they're like okay and they show me like they show me soila from afar and they're like is that your sister and i'm like yeah that's my sister and and they're like okay so you could go with her and everybody was kind of afraid because at that time when soila went to pick me up there was one of the planes that was still like flying around and nobody knew like where it was going to hit the other plane that JC mentioned was one of the other four planes that were in play that day. It was United Airlines Flight 93 out of Newark, New Jersey. You all may remember that there was a movie made about it. In short, the passengers realized that their flight was hijacked. They tried contacting their families through cell phones, and some were successful. In doing so, they learned of the attacks in New York earlier that morning. They bravely attempted to take back control of the plane from the hijackers. And the hijackers responded by deliberately crash landing in a field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. Everyone on board died. all day watching the news, watching everything that happened, um, seeing everything that happened. And my dad got home super late because he was in the city when that happened. So he got home like at the nighttime. And at, that day. do you remember like when so, you guys like spoke to him and you knew that he was like good? Um, I don't remember that. I think at some point he called my mom and he was like, oh, um, you know, I'm okay. I'm just stuck. Cause, um, I think he was just one of the people cause you know how they closed down the bridge and everybody started walking yeah. on the bridge. I think he just couldn't get past. You know, yeah, he couldn't so he called and he told us, yeah, he told us like, you know, that he was fine. It's just that he was stuck there. So he's like, I don't know what time, you know, we're going to get home. But it was pretty much, you know, that. And just like I remember that night, like you would, you could see that 
like New York was just it was just like totally black like it was just like sad like yeah. it was a different atmosphere to what New York City is usually you know like day to day yeah it's usually like and vibrant and I light. guess it really was it's like you could yeah, feel the like whole it was mood just, of, like the press and like the entire yeah city. yeah you could just feel everything and and at that point you know like me, I really didn't know about, like, terrorists or anything. I think that was the first, like, time that I kind of knew what it what it was. I really learned what it was. Like, I was never um, in a place where that ever happened, you know? Yeah. So, like, we kind of knew about it, but we never experienced it that way. Yeah, definitely not. So, yeah. 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 But I know it was something really sad, you know, and to hear... All the stories, and I actually never went to the World Trade Center. Yeah, that's all. To the towers, I never visited, and I was like, God damn, like I never got to actually go and see it up close. And yeah. so it was really it, it, sad, eso, you know. Eso no pasa a nosotros, because we take it, like living in the city, like we take it for granted, because I, I never went Yeah, either. like I you went. don't go, you mm-hmm. don't go and visit. Like, I always saw it from afar, you know, like, if we traveled and, and we saw it from the bridge and we're like, oh, look for, look at it from afar. Yeah, like the skyline. But I never actually, yeah, I never actually went and, like, was like, okay, I went inside of it or I visited or, yeah. you know. Like, I have, that's sad, my you know? father has, uh, like, a old school, like, a VHS tape of one day when he took me and my brother and my mom yeah. and we went over there and he has it on video. But I was like two or three years old, so I don't really oh, remember that. And then, but that was yeah. literally the like. Oh, the so last you never went either? To. No, I never went either. Tampoco. Oh, Except for that damn. time, which obviously I don't remember. And then, um, yeah, I went afterwards. And I could. Like, I, there's probably a lot of people. Yeah. To the memorial. Yeah, I haven't gone to the memorial either. I really want to go though. Yeah, you should. Um, and to the museum that they did, I I really want to go to that. Yeah. Um, but I I bet you there's a lot of people. That never went and actually lived here probably for years and never got the chance to go. Yep, exactly. And um, that's why after that yeah. I wound up going to like the Empire State but, Building and a bunch of places like that. Yeah, yeah. I know it's good to go and see because you know you never know things like this could happen. Yeah. And and that's something really big I think especially like in New York because even now um, where I work. Like every time that they do a fire drill or any kind of drill, mm-hmm. um, they always mention nine eleven. They're always like, you know, remember nine eleven, and you know, don't wear heels or don't wear flip flops because you never know. Because of like, look at nine eleven. Yeah, you might have like, to run down the stairs. They always, and, they and always run to the spot where we yeah. have to Yeah. Yeah, like every single time they always mention I know that and I'm like, that's and it's been how many years now, and they still mentioning it. I think that's always going to stay. Yeah, that's like the biggest impact. Especially that, that with New York. Aside from obviously like all the lives lost and, and stuff, like it changed how like we even like act and how yeah. we like in work, in everyday life. Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, with all the people that died, you never know in what situation you could be in. It's not like you could choose it, you know. You know, there's always something that's going to be remembered. Yeah. That's really for sure. Do you got yep. anything else, Jay's face? You know that I was thinking, like I was telling you the other day, that um, that it's it's something that you know our kids are gonna be asking us about, 
And I think, like, in Facebook, I read one time, I don't know what year it was, but they were like, oh, this is, like, the first year that freshmen are going to learn about 9-11 as something that happened before they were born. Damn. And I was like, damn, like, <laughs> I felt old. <laughs> damn, imagine me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I'm old. No, but then I was like, you know, it's something... You know, like years pass by and you kind of didn't feel it. And you're like, wow, you know, it's been like 16 years already since that. And That's crazy. And it's still a big impact. So, yeah. If if, if yeah. that made the, the the official baby of the Sponsor podcast feel old, then it did happen a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you for just... having me. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> My father at 77 is the oldest person that I interviewed for this episode. He has an interesting perspective in that when he first came to this country from the Dominican Republic in the early 70s, he was around and saw much of the World Trade Center construction going on. And he shares that with us here. And if you don't understand Spanish, shame on you. Yo llegaba ahí todos los días a las 5 de la mañana. Sí. A esa hora, por supuesto, estaba todo normal. Sí. Yo, con los otros trabajadores, diciendo lo que tenían que hacer, etc. Y de repente, a las 9, ¿verdad? Sí, era con las 9 y pico. La sí, 9 y 15, por ahí. Cuando o sea, en el sitio nos estábamos, pues se veía todo perfecto. Uh -huh. Porque. No habían palos ni nada, porque era el río, el río cerquita ahí. Pues donde ustedes trabajaban era un, un parque de un, un parque de los eran todos como garajes, Exacto. pero no, que no eran altos. ¿no? no, 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 y además eh, los garajes eran eh, eh, dos o tres más pequeños, los demás eh, parqueaban afuera, ¿no? afuera en parque, o sea, Como un parking lot grande. Eso mismo, un parking lot grande. Ajá. Cuando veamos, yo estaba en la parte de atrás, chequeando todo, y cuando oigo el escándalo allá cerca de la oficina, y, y voy para allá de una vez y veo a Alan que, que tiene la cabeza así, y hace, ¡guay! Y había salido de la oficina de él, que para que le dijeron lo que estaba pasando. Pero no se, no se oía. No. no tú, pero el revolú de gente no, todavía. La corredera y todo, la, el habladero y claro. Pero no, no, no se oyó el avión chocado. No, no, no. Eso estaba no, muy, no, lejos. muy lejos. Y ahí entonces lo que hicimos fue mucho, nos subimos por la escalera por dentro uh -huh. y nos subimos al rufo. Y de ahí se veía eso perfectamente ahí. Y ahí fue que eh, se pudo ver cuando el segundo avión impactó la otra torre gemela. Wow. Eso sí lo vimos derechito ahí. Y, pero cuando subieron la primera vez, ¿cómo ¿cuánta gente subieron? No, como, éramos como 12, pues ya había más gente ahí de, lo, de los mismos que estaban parqueando y cosas. ¿eh? Uh -huh. Y subieron algunos de ellos. Oh. Y estaban, cuando subieron se veía mucho humo. Sí, 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 eso estaba nublado y, ahí, y entonces ahí fue que vino el otro avión y ahí comenzó y impactó. Pero y desde el... cuándo se vio, eh, primero cuando se sube se ve mucho humo y están ahí mirando como por sí, ¿cu cuánto, cuánto tiempo. Y la sorpresa fue cuando llegamos, 
y mirando y todo cuando veamos el otro avión que viene del eso fue, eso fue de una vez, sí. subieron y de una vez vino el otro. Claro, fue cosa de, de un minuto o dos, diría yo. Ya fue una cosa terrible. ¿De qué distancia estaba el avión cuando, cuando vieron que iba a chocar? ¿Venía de lejos o era nada más...? No, eh, porque si hubiera venido de lejos, uno dice, bueno, seguro hay un avión que pasó por ahí cerca, bueno, uh -huh. pensaba uno, ¿no? Pero ese no, ese venía ya cerca de la torre, como, como de aquí a la, a, la, a la calle. A la calle, exactamente. Y, y venía derechito, derechito por la otra que está so, cuando ustedes lo, lo vieron por primera vez, sabían que iba a... Oh, seguro que sí, definitivamente. Y ahí fue que el mundo gritó. Fue terrible. Wow. Y nos quedamos un rato ahí arriba y ahí fue cuando eh, habían pasado yo diría 15 minutos del primer avión que y ahí la, la torre la número uno la, cuando, cuando cayó sí, exactamente y o sea, ahí, estaban ahí ustedes vieron cuando sí, cayó también sí 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 wow. claro claro y cuando cayó la segunda también fue terrible y, y después de eso, todo el mundo para, para la casa. Sí, una vez Alan dijo, eh, vámonos para cerremos todo, no hay trabajo hoy. Y nos fuimos. Entonces yo pensé en David. Sí. O sea que David trabajaba por ahí cerca. Sí, para el cuadro. Ajá. Y, y ahí fue que yo cogí el carro y, y fui. Entonces... Pero tú fuiste a la casa. No, no, comencé a, a llamar. Primero Ajá. a David, a ver si lo, lo localizaba. Sí. Oh, y me, pues yo estaba en la escuela también. Ajá. Cuando pasó, y, y para mí estaba, estaba en una clase y entró un profesor a decirle al otro profesor que, que chocó un avión, y, pero pensábamos que era como. Ha pasado antes como la gente que tienen aviones de, como de un pasajero Ajá, y que chocan sin sí, querer porque claro, no saben claro, claro. o un helicóptero o algo sí, así claro. y después se fue y claro. seguimos la clase sí. y después después que chocó el segundo ahí fue ya vino otra vez el profesor y, y después nos dijeron que seguro hay algún ataque que todo el mundo se puede ir sí. si quiere si tiene familia por ahí que llamen que se vayan sí. y ahí yo me salí también y cogí para la casa y estaba llamando también a ti a David a ti a David Ajá. Y, pero no entraban los celulares porque la no, torre me la tenía en la, la antena de todos los celulares. Exactamente. O sea, nadie se podía comunicar por nadie, mucho tiempo. Nadie, nadie. Y yo no sé cómo fue porque yo seguía insistiendo y en una entra David. Uh -huh. Entonces me, yo le digo, no, desesperado, de, ¿por dónde viene, mi hijo? Entonces me dijo, eh, voy caminando con una amiga eh, eh, todo Atlántico. Sí, Entonces, pero ya eso era después. Pero primero tú llegaste a la casa porque después yo llegué también a la casa y nos encontramos ahí. Y después seguimos llamando a David uh -huh. y, y comunicamos porque tenía que caminar el puente. Sí, porque salimos después a encontrarlo. Sí, sí, uh -huh. pero ya eso era matar. Sí, sí, por supuesto. O sea que duró más tiempo para comunicarse. Sí, no tan rápido. sí, sí. Y después fuimos pues a Atlante porque el camino el puente con un amigo. Exactamente. Y lo, lo encontramos de este lado. Era, era terrible eso, pensar, uno pensaba todo lo, sí. lo peor. Porque imagínate, según Dave nos me dijo, que eh, yo creo que era como a cuatro cuadras que estaba trabajando. Sí, pues donde yo sí. estoy ahora. O sea, un problema, un, un peligro además. 
Ajá. Y fue una alegría grande cuando, gracias a Dios, llegamos a la casa. Sí, no estamos tú y todos juntos. Y después de eso, ya, pay de meses, era nomás eso, no noticia. Eso era la noticia nomás, de día. Todo se hablaba de eso nada más. Así es. Esa noche viendo, esperando que hable Bush, el presidente. Sí, sí. Y desde ese día entonces comenzó todo la, la, la gente, o sea, el mismo gobierno a, a vigilar. Sí. Más, más vigilancia, más policía en la calle, más, bueno, de todo. Sí, después de todo. Sí. Pero de, después que eso pasó, eh, hubieron de esa misma gente mala en el mundo que pidieron, eh, eh, pidieron eh, miedo. Y sí. ahí fue que comenzaron más ataques en distintos sitios del mundo. Sí. sí. Como, como vieron que pudieron lograr algo difícil, ¿verdad? En Ajá. Nueva York, entonces, en Nueva sí. York. Y eso que nada más fue... Eh, uno, uno habla más de Nueva York porque estamos aquí y fue sí. el más grande, pero también fue el Pentagon. En, ah. en, en Washington, que sí, cayó un avión sí, ahí, sí. y habían como dos otros, uno que tumbaron, sí, otro que se fue por otro lado. Pues era, era un ataque que iban a hacer prácticamente para acabar sí. cerca de la presidencia con todo donde estaba, incluyendo Nueva York. Sí. Sí. Pero fue terrible, eso duró dos o tres semanas o meses que nada más se hablaba de eso. Sí. Y ahí comenzaron a los muertos que habían habido ¿verdad? en esos tiempos. Sí, como 3.000. Exactamente. ¿Y, ¿Y a cuánto tiempo? Pues yo creo que, no me acuerdo bien, pero creo que cancelan la escuela después de eso. Para, para la semana, para el día o para la semana. Sí, pero... Y, eh, y, y trabajo. No, yo al otro día ya estaba allá. Ya. La, la escuela la cerraron más. Eh, todas la, las escuelas públicas que estaban para allá, cerca de... Uh -huh. pues yo, yo llegué a trabajar ahí en... en eh, primer, de los primeros trabajos míos, eh, en Chamber Street, uh -huh. donde yo compré ese aparato. Sí. Yo, yo trabajaba en Park Play, que queda más, más pegado de, de, de la caidía. Ah, tuviste la Torre Gemela cuando lo estaban construyendo. Uh -huh. ¿Verdad? Que tú me dijiste. Claro. Que yo... La, mira como la Torre Gemela, eh, el parqueadero que hicieron fue de toda la tierra que sacaron del río, o sea, eh, achicaron, el río era grandísimo por, uh -huh. por ahí, y lo achicaron de una forma, por ejemplo, eh, este es el río, y, eh, el, el, el terreno, uh -huh. y lo pusieron como así, y todo eso fue parqueo, o sea, toda la tierra que sacaban para hacer el parqueo grandote que... Y la sacaban porque ahí donde entraron la torre gemela, Ajá. en la base. Exactamente. Sacaron la tierra de ahí sí. y taparon sí. parte de ahí. Para poder conseguir también el parqueadero, porque era sí. difícil. En el, alto, en el Bajo Manhattan no es fácil, de, con tantos edificios y, y negocios. Así hicieron, sí. Wow, o so sea, tuviste antes de, de construir la torre gemela y después viste Ajá. cómo cayeron. Sí, yo, yo llegué ahí en el carro, por ahí mismo. Eh, Riverside Drive. Yo Ajá. fui a Riverside Drive, ahí, eh, ahí llegaba yo, el park play quedaba cerquitica de Riverside Drive, Ajá. como dos o tres cuadras. Yo llegué ahí en el carro, así, allá al trabajo. Wow. 
pero fue terrible, son, son puf, un momento, ¿sabes? una cosa que nadie esperaba eso, eso no. pero así es la vida mía. Bueno. Y yo la preocupación que tenía era cuando que David no, no lo encontraba, uno no lo encontraba, no, 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 no se podía comunicar. Ay, eso. Cuando nos vimos, carajo, fue una alegría enorme. Sí. Me hacía All right, so tell me what you remember from that day, from 9-11. What happened? You said you were 22. I was, old, right? I was 22 years old, and I was working in downtown Manhattan by the seaport. And Doing I was, what? I was a, a records clerk at a law firm, a big, defend, a big law firm. Uh, they did a lot of patent laws. They did a lot of, like, a lot of their clients were, like, big corporations. So and it was downtown. They Where, were, do you remember like the address? Or it not? was it was downtown by uh, Water Street. So that's like by the seaport. Right? Mm -hmm, by the seaport. So that, that's the building that has the cubes. Like it looks like like ice cubes. The building, like the windows and stuff. Or no, it's a glass building. Okay. It's a big glass building. They had two. They had a. Uh, a uh, few floors in, the, in a glass building by uh, Water Street, and um, I, I don't remember the. Yeah. I don't remember. The, I always thought for some reason, like when I see it's like a black building that has cubes around there. I always thought for some reason that's where you used to work. Is it a black building? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so like they meant like ice cubes. No, it looks kind of like like in like the windows. I think that might be it. I always can like tell a grid kind of. I can always tell that building because the building next to it, which is where I really worked at, was a, a gray building. Okay. It was a gray building next door. So the reason I'm saying it was a big law firm is because they had um, they had a few floors in that glass building, mm -hmm. and it was like high up somewhere like in the 40th floor or something like that. And then they had the records department in the building next door, which is where I worked at, on the second floor. Mm -hmm. So and you used to have to go between both. Buildings? Well, I normally worked in the gray building, but that week so, um, I had to cover somebody in the in the glass building, which is the higher up one. Yeah, like Dad says, you know, I've always worked really hard, and you know, my bosses recognize that and they yeah. give me extra work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but Get the work um, to the workhorse. Yeah, the exactly. Shit to me too. So it was September 11, 2001, and this was when New York had. Like bare minimum security guards everywhere And yeah. it was like one security guard in the building Who I never looked at him He never looked at me It was like no relationship You know yeah. You know, I just walked into my building They never stopped me And I would, and, and I went up to the second floor It was like a different world Before 9-11 it was a different world It was like, I don't, like, it I don't was. think we've even realized like the impact of it It was It totally was It was like a lot more laxed And like security was just like Not for show, but it wasn't... It's like now it's like proactive security. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they're definitely like, you know, watching out for stuff. Before it was just basically a warm body sitting in the front yeah. of the building, you know. So you don't know Basically, who you, you would ask information for, to. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a security desk how it is now. So I walk in. Emma, uh, real quick, the I I took um I remember once in high school I took uh, I cut class one day with a couple friends and we went to we one of them wanted to take a he had dropped out of high school like the year before and he wanted to take a security guard test 
And me, Esrin, and him went to, like, went with him, and we just signed up, and we were like, fuck it, we cut school, let's just take the course anyway. And we wound up, it was like a, a whole day course, it was like staying in school. That's fun. But after that, like, I got to the, like, they literally said, okay, you pass, go to the front desk, and they printed out a certificate, and with that, you could apply to, like, any security job. That's, That's how, funny. like, I was, like, 17, I think, or some shit. Nobody cared, nobody yeah. asked you for anything, yeah. 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 So, um, so you didn't know him, he didn't know you, the security guard? Yeah, so I'm just, you know, like setting, mentioning, yeah, yeah. How, how it used to be. And then, so I, I go up to, um, I go up to the second floor and I started work, I think, like around 8 30. I'm, I'm, I was probably like a couple of minutes late or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, if I, w- if I was, it wasn't by much, but all right. So I got there like at 8 30. Then, um, you know, I'm starting my morning. And then all of a sudden, this kid, I remember, he was like, he was like one of those like, like general souls kind of people. He was always like very like soft spoken. So he walks in and he's like, oh, a plane hit the Twin Towers. And he looked like shooken up. And I was like, yeah, this, this guy's probably talking shit. I don't know what, the, what, what, what he's on right now or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just keep going on with, with my business. And then, um... Somebody else comes in and says, oh, a plane hit the Twin Towers, and then it starts spreading, and then, you know, it takes a couple of minutes for, you know, like, the information to start circulating. And then, um... And it was, also, it was 2001, so it wasn't even, like, wasn't iPhone time yet? No, it wasn't, it wasn't iPhone time. You'd you, you log in the mornings, and... There was no Twitter, there was no... Yeah. There's nothing, like, as immediate as now. Right. Like, now you you... You hear of anything like in like wait and what happened in Virginia? Like you literally type the word Virginia and videos pop up. Well, oh, you, you already get alert. You get an yeah. alert on your phone. But um, back then, I had like like one of the early Nokia's with the small screen. Yeah. Which wasn't a smartphone. No. For any and, millennial listeners. And the internet was very new, so mm-hmm. and I was young, so it's not like I was going on there to read the news or anything like that. I remember I used to like chat uh, to one of my coworkers. You know, when I used to come in, it was like through email. You know, I never, I wasn't yeah. on, the, on the internet as much. So then, all of a sudden, everybody, you know, whenever the, whenever there's a panic, regardless uh, of what it is, you know, people just get nervous and they just start bouncing around. Yeah. You know, basically looking for direction or whatever. So I'm seeing, you know, what's going on in there, and and I'm just like, man, is this really happening? You know, did, did a plane hit the tw- twin, the twin towers? And I was just like. You know, I don't know why these, why everybody's so nervous because um, I think a couple of months before, a Yankee was flying up a, a little plane and he crashed into a building. So I was like, oh, some he some like idiot it or something, huh? Like he clipped it or something? Yeah, something like that. And I, I thought, I thought, um, you know, that's probably what happened. That was a lot of people's first impression at, at my school too. Like the teacher, at my school, a teacher came in to tell our teacher, and then the teacher told us, and he was like, "It's probably just some some rich guy that was like coked up and hit, you know, a plane or something. Like that, hit a clip the building." That's all I thought. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, I had to cover um, in the other building, and I'm I'm not liking the energy in in the in the floor, and. Oh, so at this point, you're in the second floor building? I'm in the second floor building. Okay. So I'm not liking the energy, and I'm just seeing a whole bunch of aimless people wandering around speculating what's going on. And I'm just like, all right, let me just go. Let me go to the other building and see what's going outside in the street to see if I, if I uh, you know, 
if I get you know a little bit of information on on my way over to to the other building and and when I'm walking, I just see like like I remember there was like a lady crying and a whole bunch of guys just like frozen looking up in the street in the street by by my by my building and then I'm I'm looking at everybody and everybody looks again like really like shooken up and nervous and sad and then um I look up and I see like the building is on fire and I'm like oh snap that looks pretty bad and then how close are you like how I would say like maybe like a good eight eight small blocks away maybe Damn. something like that that was pretty close I got a good view of it Especially like those buildings Like they're so high up You can see them They seem closer Than what yeah. they are Even if you're far away Like it's yeah. the skyline You can see it from Like Queens You can see the skyline yeah. So imagine Eight blocks away you like right there Especially Those two huge buildings I mean mm-hmm. In downtown Manhattan The buildings aren't that high As high as You know Midtown mm-hmm. So um, So I see everybody Panicking outside in the street And this is before Knowing it's a terrorist attack Or anything I'm just sort of like, all right. So if I stay out here, it's just a whole bunch of panic people. So let me let me just go upstairs, see if I could get a better uh, a better view, or let me just you know, let me let, actually no. I said let me just go upstairs away from like all this commotion. And so I go upstairs and and um and you know I start setting up in 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 my room. There was no windows in in the office that I was covering. And then, like, you know. b- before you went out, though, did you did you think like because at, at that time you still didn't think it was a terrorist attack? No, you didn't have like reasons to think that. But you felt Yo, everything you feel, was peaceful that that year. Yeah. And did you feel like like you know it's a you know obviously it's fucked up whatever, but it's a fire you know they'll put it out and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have thought too. That that that's what that's exactly what I thought, and. You know, that year was, you know, Bush's first term, right? Mm. In 2001? I think so. Or was it his second? I think it's his first. It's his first term, but I mean, was it his first year? I looked it up. Thanks, Google. And 9-11 did happen during George W. Bush's first year as president. He was inaugurated on January 20th, 2001. Eight months later, we had 9-11. The, the rich guy who used to own a baseball team whose dad was the president, was the president. Yeah. And, you know, we, um, the Al Gore elections or whatever, everybody was pissed off. But, uh, you know, that Al, Al, you know, like Al Gore's um, here in New York, that Al Gore, you know, lost, lost his seat or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was just, you know, some ex-president's son running, running the country. And he was like a, like a... Almost like a lovable idiot in the office, you know yeah. what I mean? It, this was before any problems were going on. You know, the economy wasn't that bad. You know, yeah, like a lot of the negative connotations that Trump has now, like in terms of like incompetence, but minus the like hatred and bigotry and the, the maliciousness. The, and, yeah, and there was nothing like times was good. The economy was good. Yeah. Um, because it was just after Clinton Yeah, the economy was good I was 21 It was like The end of the summer You know, it was like Early September Yeah So it was just like The perfect time in New York And uh why did, well, I forgot why Why I mentioned that That Bush was in president It was his first year Yeah So just You know Everything was like Everything was pretty much Lighthearted at, yeah. at that point Um 
So then, so then um, my coworker goes over goes over to to me. So you went up already. You're I went up. I'm like on the forty or something floor. And he's like, yo, you know, the twin towers, you know, got hit, and they're saying that it might be a terrorist attack. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, all right, let, let's go see if we can find a, a conference room. We'll try to see if we get a good view. So then, me there was and no TVs and shit in the huh? office. There was no TVs and shit in the office. No, no, this was again 2001. There were, yeah. I don't think there were a lot of flat screens back then, right? No. Or if there were, it was, I mean, if flat screens existed, it was like a new technology. True. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, so I'm like, let's go look for a conference room, and we we look at the conference room. Are you gonna edit this a little bit? Yeah. No. Okay. Good. So, so we go to the conference room. What? Like edit what? No, I'm just like the conversation because I feel like I'm rambling. No, no, good, good. It doesn't matter. So, so we go to the conference room and we're looking at the building and we kind of like see a little bit, but we can't see, we can't get a good view of the building. I think we we saw like a like a like a little bit of flame or something on one side, and then me and him start talking and and a lot of smoke at that time. Yeah, no, no, there was no smoke yet. So he's like a jittery guy. I think you remember in Francois, he was like a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, he might have been slow or something. Yeah, and that might have been. He had something wrong with him. Yeah. So he was like very jittery, and he was like this tall, wiry guy, and he was like, you know, jumping around and stuff. And and, and then you know, so me and him are talking, and then I look back again, and all I see is the windows like completely white, and I'm like, oh shit, something went down. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So so I tell him, you know. Let's circle the floor. You go to the left, I go to the right, and then we'll meet halfway and make sure that, you know, we um we tell anybody who's in their office to to go downstairs. Mm-hmm. There was one person there, I think. There was this one attorney that was there. And then we all go down and then that's we took when the I, elevator. We or? took the elevator down and then we we go down to the main floor and there was no at this time there was still no like announcements like the security guard in the building like no. nothing. Yeah. No, this guy barely had a pulse. Gotcha. Okay, okay. You know, he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And you got to remember, all the firemen in downtown Manhattan were running over there. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, they weren't busy trying to communicate to the other buildings. You know, I, I'm I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. Or if, if, even if they had the manpower to communicate to all the buildings. True. But all I know is that nobody told us anything. And this was a new, a new scenario. Yeah. Like now, like now they do. They have protocols. I'm sure they, they do it at your job too, like fire drills and all that shit. The warden, the well, fire department comes. They make sure they tell us where to walk in case something happens. Yeah. Blah blah blah. They but, they have it. They have it down to a point where like they're like if you get uh, chemical poisoning and you walk outside the building, you're gonna have to take off all your clothes and then they're gonna. Have you heard yeah. that instruction? No. They they the, the fire warden now says that um. You know, we shouldn't leave the building right away because if we do leave the building and it's a chemical attack, we're gonna have to get completely naked and um, and the, and we're gonna have to be hosed down in order for us to get back into the building. I'm like, uh, if there's a chemical <laughs> attack, that's like the the least of our problems. You know, the last thing you want to do we're is get, get back to work. Yeah, anyway. we're like, we're all dead at that point. So then, um. So then You guys walking around the building So we walk around the building We grab the attorney And then I don't like seeing people crying Especially when things are bad Because I'm just like Yo It's not helping It's not helping Like we're just sitting around Fucking crying And they could drop other shit on us So I'm just like Trying to gather You know Like what are we gonna do so then, so then I see people in the street like all like disoriented. They must have like went how, through some how, shit. How was that elevator right down? 
quiet. Nobody, like no, no, nobody said shit. Nobody said shit. And um, so you walk around. So walk we're walking. We walk down, and then and then you know, we didn't know who the attorney was or whatever. So we just left. But me and and Francois, we knew each other. So I was like, listen, you know. Uh, let's go back to the office and see what's going on. I see everybody like in white and like, you know, they all look scared, like and, that powder, and confused with right. all that powder powder on them. Any time, let's go back to the the second floor. Let's office. go back to the second floor office and we go over there. And then when I get over there, oh, I I, I see a couple of other coworkers of mine that that we used to like, hang, you know, hang out during the time so we were like friends. And I was like, yo, listen, let's all um. Let's all gather all our stuff and then you know we'll all leave together back to back to 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 um back home yeah back home and then obviously by the by the time I went over like I, I don't remember but I think I was walking people were crying and stuff like that and then people were saying that the, the twin towers fell you know so did they have I knew already yeah so then when did the you didn't see like when the second plane hit or hear it or anything like no, that no 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 i just saw that the white smoke in the in the conference room and that that's probably like when the other one hit no i don't know but i know i, I saw a whole bunch of white smoke and then um cuz the white smoke was after they collapsed and they collapsed after both of them were hit yeah oh yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah they they mo- they both must have hit and, yeah, yeah. and they and they, they collapsed almost at the same time right yeah i think so yeah so so then you know, after I gather my stuff and I and I look for a couple more friends, um, you know, I turn around and I'm just like, I asked somebody for the original group of friends, you know, where they were, and they were like, oh, they left a while ago already, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, all right, fuck this, so we're leaving too, and then I remember it was me and and two people, and we, we crossed the bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge, right? The Brooklyn Bridge, um, we weren't too far from there. And I remember when I left school, I was trying to call you because I knew you worked in the city, but I don't know where exactly. And like none of the cell phones worked or anything like that. I was trying to call you, mom and dad. And then I went home and I think dad was the first one home. And like we kept trying to get in touch with you. Or maybe mom was home already too. But I think I got home before before them. I'm not sure, but I know... The, I think you were like the last one that we spoke to, and then when we finally got in touch with you, we knew we had we had to drive to Brooklyn because you were gonna yeah. walk the bridge. Yeah, I finally communicated, like I finally got in, in communication with you guys, and um, I told you that I was like going to Brooklyn, but again, like during that time, like I wasn't really scared. You know what was that I was scared of was walking the Brooklyn Bridge because it always scared me. Mm. You know, like crossing the bridge, um, walking over a bridge. You know, because of the height. But at that point, like I, I wasn't scared or anything. I was just like, "All right, let me let me just get home." And I know I knew you guys were okay because um, we had know, none, none, that none, none of you guys worked in the city. Yeah. And I knew I was okay, so I was like relieved at that point. Of like, you know, we're we're all okay, you know. So I was just trying to get home, and I was just thinking about like, damn, this is gonna be a long ass walk. <laughs> from, yeah. from Manhattan all the way to to Queens. Yeah. So when I got through to you guys, I was just like super happy, like oh great, I don't have to walk. Yeah. And then um and then you picked and then you guys picked me up and a friend of mine, right? And then we went um it was like a girl. Yeah. And we went to get um you know we we came home. I changed and then 
We dropped her off. Did you you had the white shit on you too? No, nah, no, right. nah, because remember I was up up on the second floor. Yeah. Maybe I had a little bit, but I, I dusted it off. It wasn't like you know a lot of it didn't get on me. Mm-hmm. So then we dropped her off, and I remember my eye was bothering me because. Two years earlier, I had a paper cut in my eye, and that takes years to heal yeah. because you're always blinking, so it opens up the the wound. So I guess the dust and all that, like like they fucked it up. Yeah, irritated it up. So I was just like, I have to go to the doctor and get, you know, eye drops. So I went to the, the same doc- day. Same day. Yeah, same day. Um, so when so I made the appointment with the doctor and I went over there and 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 you know. He said, well, you know, he started talking to me. That's all everybody was talking about. What doctor? Um, the eye doctor on Liberty and, like, past Lefferts, like 123rd. And I guess he was being a doctor, and he was just sort of, like, you know, making sure I was okay. And he was like, you know, are you okay? Aren't you nervous? And I was like, I remember I was just, like, smiling a lot. Yeah. You know, I was just like, no, everything's okay. You know, it was crazy. You know, I didn't really see much. You know, he, he uh, switched the subject and started talking about my... Um, you know my name because David Ortiz, and back then, David Ortiz the you know, was player. playing baseball, and um, you know. But basically, uh, I think I was in shock because all I remember doing after that was smoking a lot of weed all the all fall and all all winter. Yeah, I remember that. Was that when Steve came from Florida too? That was or the summer after that. Yeah, after they that spent summer. a while there. Yeah, after that summer, yeah. So um, after that, all, all all the coverage was like just nine eleven shit nonstop. So so I came home and I just remember like all of this was like all nine eleven and it was everything was all nine eleven on TV and it was all speculation. You know they were saying like I think Obama oh, Osama's name was being mentioned and Al Qaeda, but at that point like I don't think any American who the fuck those no. those two groups were who the, what who that group was or who Osama was like it wasn't in like the zeitgeist the way it, it is wasn't and, and 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 there wasn't a lot of information on them so it was like basically like CNN and all the other channels who you know nowadays you have a lot of news channels but back then it wasn't as many but everybody wanted to be a news channel mm-hmm. so it was just like a lot of like unprepared reporters trying to report a story about two buildings falling and we don't know anything about what happened. Yeah, and everybody, I remember waiting, like anticipating Bush's speech because at that time it's like, and even now, like if something like that would go down, like the country looks to the president for yeah. like, all right, you guys have the answers. Tell us what the fuck is going on. Right. So at that point, like I said, yeah. You Especially guys, you at that time answer. when information is less scarce, is more scarce. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was unhappy of the fact that, you know, Al Gore lost the election. So then at that point, I was just like, oh, boy, look, everything was OK. You know, this guy won the election. We did. And, um, you know, I was sort of like thinking, like, you know, it's, it's only going to be four years. You know, he's a, he's a bumbling idiot. There's nothing going on in the world, whatever. But then September 11th happened. And, and then I remember I'm just like, all right, we've got to wait for the for the president to talk. Let's, what's he going to say? And then he he started talking about like uh, he was gonna weigh war, on uh, wage war, yeah on 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 Islamic terrorist terrorism or something like that or, or something about I forgot what his speech was but it was very harsh yeah. on some like shit's about to go down now you I'm know I'm gonna try to find it and put it drop it into the episode okay. I don't I don't remember it though Good evening 
Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. The pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge, huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief, terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon for freedom and opportunity in the world, and no one will keep that light from shining. Today, our nation saw evil, the very worst of human nature, and we responded with the best of America, with the daring of our rescue workers, with the caring of, for strangers and neighbors who came to give blood and help in any way they could. Immediately following the first attack, I implemented our government's emergency response plans. Our military is powerful and it's prepared. Our emergency teams are working in New York City and Washington, D.C. to help with local rescue efforts. Our first priority is to get help to those who have been injured and to take every precaution to protect our citizens at home and around the world from further attacks. The functions of our government continue without interruption. Federal agencies in Washington, which had to be evacuated today, are reopening for essential personnel tonight and will be open for business tomorrow. Our financial institutions remain strong and the American economy will be open for business as well. The search is underway for those who are behind these evil acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. I appreciate so very much the members of Congress who have joined me in strongly condemning these attacks. And on behalf of the American people, I thank the many world leaders who have called to offer their condolences and assistance. America and our friends and allies join with all those who want peace and security in the world. And we stand together to win the war against terrorism. Tonight, I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. And I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. 
America has stood down any enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you. Good night, and God bless America. All I remember is after I heard him say that, I was just like, oh, like fuck. shit's about to get real. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, you know, um, back back then before we, we started like the war on terror, it was basically like, all right, a bad guy did something. You fucking grab the bad guy and you lock him up and that's it. It's over. But he was on some like, you know. We're gonna go after nations or whatever that 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 support terrorism. It was he, more instead instead of like a clear objective, it's, it it opened it up to like going after an ideology, which is a never-ending shit. Right, and then I was just like, wow, this is bad, and this isn't gonna end for a long time because I just remember thinking that, and you know, back then I was smoking pot, so I just remember like getting high, thinking like going off into tangents and shit. Huh? Going off into like tangents. I, all I remember was thinking was, all right, this isn't gonna be one of those like clear cut like 1993. There were guys trying to blow up the the uh, twin towers, and they they got arrested and they're in jail. No. This was like you know the president's talking about war. It's gonna be an open ended thing. Yeah, and I was just like, oh man. This is some fucking And he's shit. the one behind the wheel as opposed to Al Gore, which he more like composed than presidential. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I felt. And I was just like, this bumbling idiot is talking about war and um and this isn't gonna end for a long time and this is changed the is gonna change the course of everything. Of everything. And that that's what I was uh, you know, that that's what I was thinking and then I was just like so disappointed. And remember we went to the Rage Against the Machine concert? Yeah. So I was listening to them a lot, and I was just, like, so anti-government at that point because mm-hmm. I'm just like, these idiots are going to war on, on a religion and an ideology, which is, like, you know, half the planet. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't have gone down like this, you know, because Al Gore wouldn't have taken that stance. True. Mm-hmm. You know, Al Gore was a pussy even when he was, uh, you know, campaigning. That mm-hmm. was his problem. He was, like, you know, no, not an emotional guy or whatever. And Bush was, he was all almost co- too measured. Yeah, Bush was like all you know, like cowboy. Yeah, fuck this, let's blow him up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what I remember about about like I, 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 I that day and and the following day, just like being very like you know disappointed and and sad about like where things were going. Mm, it definitely changed like the course of everything. It did. It definitely did. Um, oh, th- this is something I was thinking about today because I knew you were going to record. But this is—you remember that that analogy that that um, that Obama said about you know being a president is sort of like football, not football, but like sort of like a like a ship at sea, mm. where like you hope to to you know turn it like one or two degrees, one or one or two degrees, and then eventually it'll end up in a different. You know, yeah. you know, it'll it change the course like of the ship, but only, but not by much. And it doesn't so, seem like much initially, but in the long term, that you, one or two degree difference is like right is away. huge. Yeah. So, so I was thinking about that back in two thousand and one, where you know, if Al Gore was in office, I don't, I don't think we would have gone into those wars, and we ended up going into those wars. And fifteen years later, you know. There's still the talk about like hating Muslims and and 
a lot of people, like including our friends and and and, and, and you know, talk about to this day, like you know, these fucking Muslims w- with their ideology and so forth. And it's funny to see like somebody like Trump now in office who's still talking about you know negatively about groups, but now he's expanding it to like blacks and Hispanics. Yeah. But it's it's that same. That's that that uh, ship that was steered a couple of degrees. Now all of a sudden, you know, more people have problems with that kind of ideology because now he's talking about, you know, he exacerbated it. More. Yeah. Now and like Obama reined it in afterwards. He did rein it in, and then it just got and, and Obama and Obama, you know, to you know, not enough is said about his credit of absorbing a lot of racism because. You know, he he took the high road on a lot of things. You know, where he could have been snapping like Trump. Yeah. You know, when they were calling him a liar during um during his his uh, national the national uh, address and you know um just all the races. I mean, even Trump when he was asking for his uh proof of birth certificate, proof of birth certificate, and so forth. He always took everything with a high road, and you know, and just he, like the 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 I remember if it was. Mitch McConnell, I want, I want to say, like whoever the leader of the, the uh, Republican Party was, like the House, they literally said our objective for the next three years is to make sure that yeah. nothing, nothing, it was nothing also, he puts it was also Agent Orange, um, what's his name? Um, damn, I forgot his name. That hates him. He was a, a heavy smoker. I forgot his name, but he was also very tanned. Yeah, he was orange. Look, you notice how how Trump is not as tanned anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know any, that's supposedly makeup that he puts on everything. I don't. Care. I don't yeah, that's so, that's, that's weird. weird though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I mean, you know, he's he's, like a, he's a celebrity. Yeah. He's a celebrity. Uh, he's not a politician, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, are you surprised when you see the Kardashians always putting makeup on and no. you know coming out with their like colored uh, eyebrows and stuff like that? Like that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. But. You know, again, back to back to what I'm saying, like, you know, what what Obama said, like, you know, definitely has relevance where now you have this president in here, you know, who's not measured. He's not composed. And and he's still talking that 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 hate shit about, you know, at a higher level, too. Yeah. Blaming, blaming, blame groups for, you know, the, the problems that we have in this country and so forth. Like back back then in 2001, I think that was very responsible to say, like, all right. Islam, we're going after Islam, like you know, not not all of them are terrorists, you know, and again, like I said, seventeen, sixteen years later, we have uh, President Trump over there, except now he's widening it up to uh, a lot of other minorities, Mexicans, Hispanics, Blacks, Muslims, still, yeah. So that that's what I was thinking about today. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. That's it. There you go. Thanks. Okay, Ms. Velez. Hello. <laughs> so, say say something. Let me just make sure it's working. Hello. All right. So, on 9-11, what do you remember from that day? And, like, where were you? How old were um, you, if you remember? Oh. What year was that? I think I was in high school. Um... Junior year? Senior year? Junior year? Damn. For me, I think it was junior. Junior? Yeah. So it was either for me, junior or sophomore year. Okay. But I know it was my first period class that I had a math class. 
with Mr. Chan. That was his name. And um, I love math, but I just didn't didn't love it at first period. Yeah, in you the know? morning. So, Too early um, for that. <laughs> so I asked to um, to be excused to use the restroom. Um, and uh, and as soon as I stepped out of the hallway, I saw my friend Lewis, and uh, he told me if I saw the twin towers, and um, and I uh, and I told him no, I didn't. And he was like, "Oh, come with me." He goes, "The twin towers are on fire," um, but I thought he was joking because he's normally a jokester. So I followed him into the staircase of a corner of our high school. Um, on the fifth floor and as I looked out the window I just saw one of the tall buildings and it just looked like a puff of smoke, smoke. on top of it and what, what, uh, what high school? Uh, New York Trick High School so okay. it's by um, Fort Hamilton um, down that by, it's in uh, what is that? called Bensonhurst okay right? Yeah. Um, and uh and all I saw was like a, a puff of smoke and I only saw one building. Um, so I told him, I said, are you sure it's not the Empire State Building and not the Twin Towers? Cause there's only one building and it's on fire. So at that point it had already fallen. The one yeah. of them. And, and I didn't realize that cause so I- um, Was it all, was it black smoke or yeah. like that white? Okay. No, it was just a, like a dark black smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was, I was just like, you know, I was in high school, so I was kind of naive and yeah. in vain. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, man, that's crazy. That that was my only thought. And then I was just thinking, oh, I get to go back to my class and and announce it, you know, because yeah. um, I I didn't know how serious it was. Uh, so I would go back into my class, and um, I just kind of said, oh, by the way, the twin towers are on fire. And my teacher to just, the teacher or like the whole class to the whole class, uh -huh. including the teacher. And my teacher just was like, "Whatever, like, Mr. What the hell are you talking like, about? Sit down." Mm -hmm. And no more than two seconds after I said that, um, over the loudspeaker came on, and they said that there was a terrorist attack on America, and um, two planes crashed into the the twin towers. And all I remember was looking at my teacher's face and he was in shock um and i didn't you know we as the, the students in the class you know we were young so we just we didn't really understand exactly like the impact of yeah, what was going on what was like going that. on so we were just like uh okay but by the reaction of our teacher's face we knew it was something serious yeah. but we didn't know how serious and after that period, everything was chaos in the school. Um, teachers. Did you guys finish that the rest of that class or that period? Or um, we did, um, but after after that happened, it kind of is a blur. All I know is that um, no one could concentrate mm -hmm. after that. The teachers all looked kind of pan panicked. And all I knew is that I was trying to find my way to uh, my best friend um, because uh, after that I had gym. So I made my way to the gym and 
it was chaos. They were all I saw were children crying, like my students crying and teachers crying and other teachers consoling. And the uh, my gym period became like a just an area for people to gather instead of um, like classes, presuming like as usual. Um, so I just took that time. I ran, I actually found my best friend, and she said, "Listen, her mom uh, called the school and said she wants her her daughter, um, myself, and another friend of ours because we all lived around the corner from each other to go home." Um, so she called your friend, like she, she had a cell phone, or um, no, she got in touch with the school, okay, okay. and the school got in touch with uh, Adiba, and. Then Adiba found myself, and she's found um, our friend Levon, and uh, and she said, "Listen, my mom said we gotta go, so we need to go." And I was like, "All right, we'll leave in school early. Then that's yeah. fine." And uh, when we left school, we were heading. The trains weren't working, so. How far was your commute? Like. Normally, our commute is about an hour. Damn. So, um, to get to our school, we would have to take the bus to the train and transfer to another train. So, Damn. we had to take two trains and a bus. What train? Do you remember? Um, I would take the 41 bus to the 2 train or the 5 to Atlantic and then transfer to the the D train or the M at, during that time, you know. Any of those to 79th Street, mm. New Trick Avenue. That was the stop so but being that the trains weren't working we had to get on the bus did they say the trains weren't working or you ju- or you guys like went um, in and waited for some, a while I, I forgot um i i believe it was one of the teachers or one of the security guards at our school that that um warned us that there was no trains running at the time mm-hmm. um and that our best bet to getting home was to get on the bus mm-hmm. so I know that when we got to the bus stop, it it didn't even look like a bus stop. It just looked, uh, the entire street was covered with people and um, and buses were, weren't stopping um, and they were just passing by us. Were they full or empty? Um, some were full, some were empty. Everyone just looked confused. There were a lot of adults there. Yeah. And we could see the smoke and the um, the debris from from the from the, uh, tower from the towers falling in our area. Damn. And when I I started seeing that, and slowly it was like hitting me, like something serious is going on. But we didn't know, you know, how serious it was. We somehow got a, a uh, got into a bus, and. Um, as soon as I got home, it was a long bus ride home, but as soon as we got home, um, I just remember opening the door and seeing my oldest sister, Rosemary, sitting so on the couch. you want to go into your house instead of... Uh, yeah, I just went to my house because mm-hmm. uh, Diva lived around the corner. Oh, okay. So um, we just knew that we had to get home. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I went home, I saw my oldest sister, Rosemary, sitting on the couch watching TV and just crying and as soon as she saw me she ran to me and gave me a hug and she was just like it's so horrible janet and that's when i saw it on tv and they just were showing how um 
like the coverage of what happened yeah the coverage of the the building of the people falling and uh the plane oh it was just and that's when it hit me like oh my goodness like something serious happened where so many people like are dying and are injured and so i was just i i at that point i just was kind of shocked and i didn't know what to feel and i just had like a flood of emotions and thoughts of oh my god is my family okay like that's when it became real to me and i was like okay and so me and my sister started planning out where's michael where's rosa my where's my sister where's my brother where's my my mom my dad my aunts nobody else was home at that time no one else was home it was just us so we decided and our phones weren't working Mm -hmm. and so when we decided to um to go to the corner payphone and try to reach some some of our family members and as we went to the payphones we're like trying to call and it was just like damn a, that's something else that you don't you don't see much anymore oh like payphones pay right yeah, yeah that's true is, I forgot it, about that. <laughs> they were everywhere and yeah. now they're practically nowhere that you can really find them and every here and there in the subway i see them but yeah for younger yeah. listeners those were phones that were in the street that you put a quarter in and you could use like yes, a landline public phones yeah. in the streets. <laughs> phone booths yeah. they don't have that anymore so um and when so while we were calling i happened to look across the street and i saw this um this morena walking and she was covered in ashes and uh, and dust, and her face it just looked dead. And that's when I think that 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 image of seeing her and seeing like just her looking lost and yeah, confused like zoned and zoned out that bothered me so much because it just looked like she saw something horrible. And um, and unimaginable, and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't figure it out because we're just seeing what we're seeing on TV, and we weren't even there. So, yeah. um, I just I my sister was on the phone speaking to I, th- I believe it was my dad, um, just to make sure he was okay because he worked out in the city. And at that time, I had no concept of where exactly the World Trade Center was compared to my dad's job in Harlem, you know? Yeah, (laughs) So I didn't know the difference. I just knew it was in the city, and I wanted to make sure my dad was okay. That's how I was with with David. Like, I knew he worked in the city, but I didn't know where or how close or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, after that, I... I don't remember really much of the rest of the day. I just knew that everyone that... um, all of my family were safe, and that's kind of what mattered to me. But just the images on television—just um, over and over, just like over, yeah—it's just like, like days and weeks after in that. our head. Um, that really bothered me, and I um, and I just I remember going um, coming home from school that that week, later on that week, or the previous week, or after. And um, just remembering a guy reading the newspaper and you just see the Twin Towers and the smoke and he's just reading and then he just like on breaks the cover down. Of the paper? Yeah, on the cover of the paper. And he just breaks down and starts sobbing on the two train um, like a few stops before the last stop uncontrollably. And 
that just sent out like a ripple effect of sobs throughout the entire car. Damn. It was like no one was saying anything and you just heard cries. And like everybody knew what it was about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um and in my school my school is pretty diverse, um, even though it was in a very white neighborhood. Um we had a lot of we had whites, blacks, Hispanics and we also had a lot of Arabs. Mm-hmm. Which were you know it wasn't it never seemed like a racist school until that that happened happened, then everybody started turning on people and then everyone who was friends with some one of the Arab kids like just completely blocked them off and um, we had to have because there were a lot of students who had parents and uncles who worked at the World Trade Center and so they all lost a lot of there were a lot of students who lost so they had to send um, therapists into our school and we had like therapy sessions during class for the following month Um, and during that class they allowed students to express themselves um, and there were a lot of like of the Arab kids who were just just saying how how sad and, and hurt they are by the events and also by how people have been treating them in the school and in their neighborhoods and they had absolutely nothing to do with it had, but yeah, like Arabs as a whole like right, they got the brunt of like everything exactly even to this day like yep. people and, always like look twice mm-hmm. and it was that that really bothered me just to see the the separation and, and all of a sudden it just became you know, the, they like became the, segregated, and that was like the beginning of the divide. Yeah, um, was, and you know, it, and we know. were all like friends with them. Every, you know, everyone was friends, and everybody was friendly. And then they were just, you know, sad because everyone started treating them differently. And then people were voicing their opinions about how they feel, what they with what they think, or um, it was just it was a hard time because i was still trying to understand fully what exactly happened and then also dealing even though i wasn't physically there like you still like we were still impacted by the events that yeah. happened you know um, it was like our city you know yeah exactly like- it happened to us and i remember i wrote a poem I don't. I have it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After I, I, because it just bothered me so much, and I didn't understand what was going on, and I didn't understand why, um, why we were attacked, and why were people so angry. You know. If you find it, let me know. And yeah. If you want, I'll read it. Like okay. On the podcast yeah. Or yeah. Um, it might be a little. It might be. It might be a little religious. Yeah. Because so. I, you know, I was like, what was that? I was. It's like sixteen. Yeah, 16, 17. Yeah, so I just had started going to church and found God and, you know, so I was, like, very much into all of that. But I was, at the same time, completely confused. Lost and looking for a direction. Yeah, exactly. And that really didn't help, you know? No. So that time was just very dreary and, and sad because, and for the few years even after that, because it was just like every even till now every year yeah. they play the memorial um and i was getting it from in school in the neighborhood in church you know everybody was talking about it because one of the ladies the last survivors that they pulled out of the rubbish mm-hmm. she went to my church oh damn and so she was sharing her story and she was on tv and all of that stuff and um so we were constantly what kind of things would she say about it 
Um, she was, uh, you know, she, uh, she that that experience for her was how, um, what brought her to church, mm-hmm. um, and, and made her um, and began her journey like seeking God and seeking Jesus because there was, um, she said that there was a voice uh, there when. Uh, she was, I think, I believe she was going down because she worked in the world trade and she was going down the stairs when the tower fell and, um, and it was just silence and she was there for hours and, um, and then there was, uh, someone there, I believe she said his name was Michael who was talking to her and holding her hand throughout the whole thing and telling, saying that we're going to get you out. She was like out. trapped? Like she under? was trapped under oh, the damn. rubble and she said that she heard a voice saying someone was gonna she was talking to someone yeah. and um saying and he was just encouraging her to keep you know holding on that she's gonna get out they're gonna definitely get her out and they actually did get her out and when she got out she was asking for for the, for guy. the guy and they're like there was nobody here like you know we just got here there was no one else here damn and because of that that got her to start going to church mm-hmm. so it was everywhere That's <laughs> like, awesome. no matter where we were going I heard stories for for years about what happened at 9-11 and how it have affected them how you know so it was just I don't you know I, I think it's a very sad time and it was also very disturbing at the same time so I really don't like <clears throat> to think about it like everyone talks about sharing 9-11 stories like oh man I was sorry. alive <laughs> sorry sorry for asking <laughs> you to do this <laughs> no 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 it's fine I mean I'm just saying like now you know it's been years so man. it's like easier to talk about but during that time I just felt like a lot of people were just using it as like yeah. a podium just to speak plus it was know? like everywhere we're like inundated with it like yeah. all around 24-7 yeah you know so yeah. you know that's kind of where I was and what I was experiencing during that time you know alright cool yeah. thank you very much no problem yeah <laughs> estamos grabando so Judy Rosa no <laughs> Okay. Eh, Excuse me, Azurdia. Judy eh, Azurdia. So, dime, ¿a dónde tú when 9-11 happened? Bueno, ese día yo recuerdo que me levanté temprano, llamé a mi mamá, que vivía aquí en Queens. Yo vivía en ese entonces en Toms River, New Jersey. Y la llamé para saludarle, saber cómo se encontraba. Estaba hablando con ella en el teléfono. Y me dice, oh, Judy, espera tu momento que tengo otra llamada de mi hermana que me llama de Massachusetts. Y ella, tú dices, ella estaba enferma, ¿verdad? Right? En sí, tiempo. en ese tiempo ella ya estaba enferma, so yo la llamé para, para saber cómo ella estaba, cómo había amanecido, porque le dieron su quimioterapia el lunes. Yo recuerdo que ese día era martes. Y me dice, espera tu momento que tengo otra llamada. Y yo le dije, ok, contestó y, y luego pasó como dos minutos y me dice, ay, Judy, eh, pon la noticia que, que pasó algo en, 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 aquí en New York, en, en, Manhattan. en Manhattan. 
y, y yo le dije, wow, ¿qué pasó? Dice, me dijeron que parece que hubo, no sé, un accidente, se, un avión eh, se estrelló con la Torre Gemela. Bueno, yo puse la noticia. Cuando yo prendí el televisor, totalmente quedé confundida, no sabía qué estaba pasando. Me dio un dolor tan grande porque yo pensaba que era mentira, que era como una película, un sueño, una pesadilla. Yo dije, wow, ¿y qué estará pasando? A todo el mundo, todo el mundo estaba ah, como en shock. Yo, yo no, quedé, wow, no puedo creer esto. Bueno, me senté a ver la, la, la noticia. Cuando yo estaba viendo la noticia, luego veo el segundo avión que viene y se, y se estrella con la otra torre, yo digo, no, pero qué, ¿qué será lo que está pasando? Yo pensaba que era un accidente, pero ya el segundo... De ahí todo el mundo se dio ahí yo dije, no, algo tiene que estar, eso no, no puede ser un accidente, eso es a propósito. Bueno, yo estaba sola en la casa, lo que hice fue que me monté en mi carro y salí de la casa, porque tenía miedo, porque dijeron que había otro avión que estaba desaparecido y, y no sabía a dónde iba. Y yo dije, oh, my God. Yo sé que yo estaba en New Jersey, pero a la vez me sentía cerca de New York también. Yo dije, uno nunca sabe. Cuando yo salí afuera, que, que, que me monté en el carro, veo que hay un helicóptero. Y yo dije, no, Dios mío. No puede ser que esto se va a estrellar aquí también. Porque uno, cuando pasa algo así, no sabe cómo reaccionar. Lamentablemente, eso fue algo que... En mi vida, yo primera vez que escuché que fue un atento, un atentado de, de, de terrorismo, uh -huh. uno no le pasa por la mente eso. Eh, eh, fue algo nuevo para mí. Yeah. Y, y me imagino que para todo el mundo en ese tiempo. Uno no, eh, no hallaba qué, qué pensar. Cuando, sí, cuando, eso, cuando eso pasó, que yo vi que que esos dos aviones se estrellaron contra la, la, la torre. Me dolió. Pero cuando esas torres se colapsaron, fue como que me puse a llorar estéricamente porque fue algo que yo crecí viendo desde pequeña. Acabaron, lo destruyeron. Y saber que había tanta gente ahí trabajando y uno sin poder hacer nada por ayudar, eso fue algo terrible. Tú la viste, tú la viste colapsar. So, después que tú saliste en el ¿para dónde Cuando tú yo, no, en el yo no, vuelta, en, me en di una vuelta, volví de regreso a la casa, puse el televisor y todo, porque yo salí a llamar a, mi, a mis familiares, ya, eh, estaba intentando comunicarme con mi mamá de nuevo, no pude, no entraban eh, porque no había, no había señales, traté de llamar a, a a la gente que yo conocía, a ver si estaban bien, que vivía en Nueva York y no me pude comunicar con nadie. Eso, regresé a la casa, puse el televisor y ahí comencé. Se decía que no iba a pasar nada, que todo iba a estar bien, pero después cuando la primera torre colapsó, eso fue otro impacto. Ahí yo dije, wow, eh, terrible. You know? Y después... La segunda. Eso fue algo increíble. Y ya después de eso era nada más... Like the rest of the, to, todos los días después de eso era nada más de eso. Yeah, just talking about that. Yeah. 
pero así es. Bueno. Thank you very mucho. No hay problema. So Raúl, what's up, Tony? Thanks for having me on your podcast. Anytime. Thanks for being on the podcast. Where? What do you remember from 9-11 and where were you when you heard? Well, the day that the event happened, I don't remember much, but I remember how the one, one thing I remember clearly about the day that I'll never forget is how I found out it happened. So I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was driving with my one of my ex-girlfriends. I was driving somewhere. I can't tell you where. But the thing that I stuck to my head on that day, we was driving normal down the street. And all of a sudden, this, what I thought at the time, some crazy lady ran out the house, flapping her, her hands, like asking for help. So, so in, in Queens, right? In Queens, okay. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I live in Queens. Um, so this lady runs out and she's like, she's like calling out for help. So I'm like, you know, I pull over, lower my window and this to see what happened maybe I don't know something was happening in the house and this lady's like screaming like oh my god something's wrong come inside come inside uh, talking about like let's go inside and watch TV what and the my fuck? girlfriend's like what the f-? you know she's looking at this girl like she's nuts but she was like an older lady uh-huh. so I'm like but what's going on you know and she's like no cause the towers is a fire and you know at that time my, the car that I had was big into like Music and hooking up a car. So uh-huh. my car had like TVs and every, you know, in the front, the back. Like the Fast and the Furious days. Yeah, I had like, um, I think it was like five TVs in that in that car. But anyway, so I put the TV on in my car, and the ladies there just like looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I could see TV right here. Uh-huh. And as soon as I put the TV on, I see that the towers are on fire. The twin towers were like smoking. I'm like, oh shit, shit. what happened? I have to go to work that day, and I work in downtown Manhattan. So I'm like, you know, I have, to, I don't know, I have to go back home, you know, try yeah, to yeah. for the job and see what's going on, because I work in security. So somebody has to be there in case some big event happens. So I'm like, oh my god, how am I gonna get to work? Uh-huh. Do I have to leave earlier? Because I did the night shift. So I'm like, do they need me to come in now? I have to go back home. So me and my girlfriend, you know, I tell my girlfriend, I forget where we're going, but I'm like, forget about that. I have to go to work. Yeah, yeah. I turn around. By the time I got home and I turned the TV at home, the towers, one of them already fell. Damn. And then everybody's calling or trying to call because it's very sporadic, right? No lines, whatever. All the cell phones are fucked up. All the cell phones phones are fucked up. Um, I don't know. At the time, my job had like a two-way pager. That you, and that was uh-huh. working It's like the old Blackberry yeah, yeah. Right? Two ways pages Because that shit was like On a different signal or something And our lines yeah. You know whatever So That was the That was the only thing That was getting Communications to and from work At that time So Like the job was Sending messages Like we need you to come in And it was like Somebody else that was already there That was or? already there at work okay. Yeah So that When I used to work There was 24 hours a day okay. Two shifts So when that happened um, You know I was like There's no way Trains are running no. So I, You know I put the news on The second tower comes down I'm like Holy You know This this is terrorism Right Yeah um, 
some like there's no way. How, you know, they saying everything shut down, no in or out traffic from the city. So I'm not going to work. So yeah. that's out of the question. Yeah, sure. Because they stopped they stopped trains. They stopped. I think they closed the bridges. All Everything was yeah. uh, only emergency service yeah. to the city. And even the people were they were letting people out walking. of the city walking because my it. brother was there and he had to walk the Brooklyn yep. Bridge just walking. But nobody so. could get back in. No bridge or yeah. tunnels. Yeah. So I was pretty much stuck. So at work the 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 job became a twenty four hour shift. Uh-huh. So the people that were there they had to stay on that day, they stood twenty four hours Fuck. into the next shift, which was me and another guy mm-hmm. could make it in. So I was there the next morning. The next uh, morning you were able the to next like, morning, yeah. I was able to walk into to work. Um, How close were you Like to it I want to say A couple miles 15, A couple no, miles 15 blocks Damn so my For my house. building I could see the Twin Towers Walking distance 15 minutes How was it like When you went to work In the morning The next day Like a lot of Ambulances Fire trucks no, Cops around Creepy man Or just like Silent Empty, empty. Yeah. The next morning was uh the only thing I remember is the smell. Two things, right? So I don't remember much that day that it happened. I remember how how I knew because the lady, right? So that stuck yeah. in my head. The next day, getting to work, the train was running into the city one stop, and then everything was walking distance. So my train to Chinatown, Essex Street, the J Line, and then from Essex it was a walk all the way down to the South Ferry. Damn. Um, so, and it's only like it was only like critical personnel that were allowing in. So you had to have like some type of ID uh-huh. to walk into the downtown to the zone. Fuck. Um, so the only, the thing I remember the next day, apart from like being stuck at work for a whole day, was you know the city's always busy, right? Yeah. No matter what time, it was solitude, just quiet. No, at the time, no more ambulance was running up and down because everything happened already. Yeah. Uh, Ground Zero was like totally closed, so you couldn't even go near it. Everywhere else, walking was just dead quiet. The smell was bad. Yeah. It was like funky, like, like uh, barbecue smell when you cook meat. Uh huh. It was fucked up. Fuck. And the floor. That was that was probably just like bodies. Well, it's shit. still foggy, right? Because the the next day the top was still burning, uh-huh. so it was just a sm- smell of like wow, like a barbecue smell. You know, you put things to burn. And yeah, the yeah. cold smells. You know, I can't say it was like human flesh or I, I don't that know how that smells that was like. Definitely but, part of it. Yeah, but you know, but it was I like don't know. So I can't tell you how it smells. Yeah, like, yeah. But it was just a like a like a barbecue smell, like a funky smell. And the other thing is the floor was white. So, it's, you know, I, I we knew it was ashes. Yeah. Like, you know, debris, right? Not yeah. human ashes, but just ashes in general, the concrete. Because the cloud of smoke when, you know, blanketed everything, right? Yeah. I remember that. But the weird part about it, though, the shit, the thing that I remember the most was that they were, like, constantly washing it, right? So there was, like, the, the sanitation trucks uh-huh. that... Clean up the street street cleaning shit with water, right? So everything was wet, but it was still white. So as much as they try to brush it, it wouldn't come off. Oh fuck! I don't know how it was like baked into the ground. Wow! All like gray. 
So when you walk, as you walk, by the time we got to work, your feet were like all, all white. Oh, what the soil, your feet were so gray, not white, gray. It was like it was a like, powder, like yeah, a soot. But it was caked on. Yeah. You know, it's like, it wasn't like you could like sweep it. It didn't like sweep it yeah, off. Yeah. It was just like baked into the floor. It was like that Dang. for like a good month. In all the buildings and all that everything. shit. Everything. Like everything? Everything was like, but the floor was. Wow. I started at work doing basically nothing. Yeah. Just like being on watch, just in case. Yeah, phone call. You know, I've been to have phones. Oh, because they use like that, like regular like power line. Yeah, the, the following days, everything was like coming back. Cell phones started working and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the only things I remember. How I found out that the towers were like on fire or whatever because mm-hmm. of that lady yeah. that came out. Anybody remember that shit? Yeah. <laughs> lady running in the middle of the street. And then, um, well, some lady just telling you, come inside the house, come inside the house. Yeah. For like <laughs> screaming in the middle of the street and then saying, hey, come watch TV with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, because we didn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the next day, getting to work. That that that's that like smell with the quietness. It was eerie. It was empty. Yeah. Like that's people weird. walking and there was cops in every corner. Like where you go and you can't go that way, go this it way. Was, it was like the whole city was in shock. You had like it, everybody. Yeah, you had like, to walk down. But you'd be surprised there's a lot of people going to work yeah. the next day because they needed to go like these people like uh, engineers. Those mm-hmm. people had to stay in the building. Yeah. Um like the security people, they were stuck there like I remember my building. The security supervisor He lived there For like Three weeks Damn. He never went home Wow Because If he went home It would like Who else was gonna make it in Yeah When is he Who's like covering Everybody else That yeah, couldn't make it so, you know Um and Believe it or not You know People say like The workers But Where I worked Was uh 85 broad Like Three or four blocks Going towards the west side Um Left, left, something city. Mm-hmm. I forget. Some rich people, you know, condos and stuff like that. Those people always left homeless. They have money, right. so they probably went somewhere else. But maybe they didn't, right? So, so that whole condominium was deemed they emptied it unsafe. So everybody that lived in there, but you know, most of them are wealthy. But that's like put them somewhere else. Probably. Somewhere else, yeah. yeah. There was a lady that worked with us. That she she said living living at work. But she was like a big shot So They took care of her Whatever But She stood At the building When there was no Nobody working there But she lived in the neighborhood She stood there For like three weeks Damn She was even Come and shower So our building Had water Heat I mean uh, AC And all that uh-huh. stuff Or heat Or I don't remember no. Whatever it was So she was better off At work Than at her condo Because she didn't have A second home Or whatever that's crazy So she was like Stuck at work For like a month Until they deemed Her apartment safe Fuck Yeah So days That were crazy man Hell yeah But that's You know Out of, out of everything That happened Those two things Was like That's what sticks to me You know The rest is history But Yeah uh, Those two events Like Mark um, 9-11 man They stayed with you Yeah Damn it That's the bro Thank you I cool man All right, babe. So, where were you on 9-11? I was in gym class. In Richmond Hill High School, where we Richmond both went. Richmond Hill, yes. Where Queens. we went. Back in the days. 
Mm. I was 17 years old. Beautiful. You're still beautiful, babe. Thanks. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember I was in gym class. We were doing stretches or something on the floor. and the Butterfly stretch? I think so. Something like that. And then one of the teachers came into the gym and told the teacher that was teaching us that something was going on. But we, at that point, we didn't know anything. We just, you know, knew. We thought a helicopter had gone into Twin Towers. Yeah, that's what we thought, too. Yeah, that was like an accident, you know, like, you know, the tourists, helicopters. We didn't have any information. Just that something happened and we were allowed to go home, which was a good thing. No, after the first one? We were allowed to go home. Right away? After the first uh, plane? Like, when he went in? I don't know if it was the first... When I got home, already both of the... Yeah. Both of the... Yeah. What happened when he hit for... The first place... The first plane came in, and then the teacher came in to tell your teacher while you guys were doing stretches. And then, like, what happened immediately after that? I don't know if it was while the... You know, when the first one was hit. I just know that a teacher went into oh, okay. a regular teacher went into the gym and told the gym teacher that something was going on and that we were allowed to go home because, you know, we weren't like fully into the information yet, but we were allowed to go home. And since I live like close by to Richmond Hill, how close? Two blocks. <laughs> so we just went walking and I went walking home and my mom was watching the news when I got home and she was like, Can you believe this? This is crazy. Uh so entonces with Julie's Julia habló con Carmen while she was home and then you came home like probably like right after probably that. Probably after that, yeah. Because uh-huh. I used to come home early anyways. With the like, early schedule. The, like yeah, then. I had the morning schedule. So it was like from 9 to 1, I think, or 8 to 1. Yeah. Or 8 to, to 12. I used to have that too. I think it was like 1230 or something like that. Yeah. It was, that so was for... Either they let us go early or, yeah, or because I don't remember that much. Yeah, yeah. Either they let us go early or I was already, you know, mm-hmm. due to I'm go totally. home because I think gym class was like the last. They probably cut the class, class short and let you guys Yeah, and let us leave early. Oh, and my dad, he was working in Manhattan. So I was like, I wonder if he saw anything or if he's okay. But we didn't have any information yet. We didn't know what was going on. We just knew that the the twin towers were on fire and yeah but nothing had happened by yet. the time you that got home you saw your mom watching the news and she my was mom, like oh my yeah. god can you see what's happening and then at that point yeah both planes hit right yeah both of them were hit already and but, but like seriously i just didn't know Everybody what was, was going still on like, what the i was like okay you know they were hit but they hadn't like collapsed yet so we were still like okay something happened in my hand yeah. You know, and my mom was like, go get your little sister to school. And I went to PS90, which was in like a couple of blocks away. And when I got there, there was a huge line full of parents and 
parents going to pick up their their kids all the parents went to pick up their kids and i was just waiting there until they let us all get um whoever we went to pick up they were letting and all, all the, the kids all out? the kids were coming out of the the classrooms and i remember that in the news they were saying that a plane like they didn't know where a plane was so we were all looking every time we a plane passed us by or we thought that it was gonna you know fall on us or something we still yeah, everybody was like, like scared I, and nobody that, knew and nothing what, what was going on yeah we didn't have any information we didn't know what was going on we didn't know what a terrorist attack was then and you know they just kept and repeating the so same thing in the news they didn't give anything different so we were like they confused. didn't even have any new information yet. yeah and they didn't know what was going on either and then after that is when when we got home then that's when like i found out that they had collapsed but you already. picked up you picked up your little sister you got yeah. her you got jc and then you took her home and at that point did your had your mom spoken to your dad or no. nobody has still spoken to to your dad nobody has spoken to my dad my dad was a cab driver in manhattan we didn't hear anything but we didn't know it was like i don't know if i probably didn't think it was that bad i yeah. like that big of a deal we don't know like we don't know what's well i didn't know like being a teenager i yeah. just didn't think it was that severe of a case i don't know that's weird yeah. but and then what you guys got home and just yeah i don't remember really exactly how it went you know how you it all happened because collapsed already. they had already collapsed when i got home and then my mom told me to pick up um my little sister but that no but when because i got i remember that i got home like a little bit after like 10 probably so no, that no, like 12 something it must have been i don't remember what happened really uh-huh but when you got home first they were still i remember like i remember things i remember my mom watching the news like sitting in the living room mm-hmm. watching the news but i and i remember like the smoke coming out of the yeah. but remember that they were like repeating the same thing i don't remember if it already had collapsed and they were just repeating and yeah. they were just repeating okay, like okay. the same visual you know like yeah, yeah. So I don't remember exactly how it went, but. But yeah, after you had JC, by the time I got home, they were probably after I got JC, it already had collapsed already, and. But we didn't. I I don't know. I just didn't. I thought it was like. Like surreal, like nah, yeah. not a big deal. It's okay. Like they were telling us that it was okay. That nothing was. Didn't want anybody to yeah, freak out. Yeah, nobody to get alarmed when. We didn't hear anything about my dad yet, but we probably didn't think that it was my mom probably thought that it was bad well she was keeping it together so you guys wouldn't freak out so we wouldn't freak out but and then because i don't i don't even remember when we heard of i think my dad called my mom like from the base no judy i don't remember he but he called her and he said that he was okay okay. then we were all okay you know, because he was yeah. like the main thing because he was he close was to the, yeah. 
the Twin Towers. So. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. Hello, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where were you exactly when when you first heard uh, about 9-11, like when the, the planes hit? Um, well, when I first heard that something had happened in New York like that, it was during the home period of my high school. How old are you? Uh, 15. So they basically put it over the loudspeaker, you know, for us to stay where we were, not to switch classes, and that we would be having to call our parents to pick us up. From homeroom? From, yeah, from where we were. Now, when that happened, that was at, like after like the first plane, or yeah, after like both of them hit? Do you remember that? Both of them, yeah. And we tried to look out the windows, the few windows we had in our classroom to see if we could see smoke, because we had heard like you could see smoke from miles away, but I guess it was mainly like in Brooklyn, because from Queens, you couldn't see anything. And you were where, what high school? I went to Thomas Edison, technical vocational high school. But at the time, um, actually, all our parents were in DR because they had gone to a memorial for my grandmother that had passed on 9-11, but the year prior. So actually, my friend's mom picked me up and I ended up going to her house. And a bunch of our cousins, we all kind of like spoke over the phone. We started calling each other. We were all worried because we're like, none of our parents are here. What do we do? Are they going to be able to fly back in? Are they going to stop all flights? Because they were all like literally over there for the anniversary of their, of our grandma's death. So all the cousins were just kind of like on our own with either one parent or just no parents. And how was it? How was it like initially like when you first heard like getting in touch with people or like actually how long did it take after first hearing when they told you that you guys were going to have to wait and your parents were going to pick you up and stuff like that like how how much time elapsed between then and when you guys like actually left the school I want to say um maybe 2 hours had passed cuz even though we got to call our parents like not everyone could just come out of their job to come pick us up mm. Some people had to just like stay in school and wait for like a friend of a friend or somebody to pick them up. So it wasn't long. And then we went, I went to my friend's house and I was just there with her and her, with her parents and just trying to get in touch with my mom and DR. And, and it was tough for like phones to like go through, right? Yeah. Phone calls are like blocked. Oh, they sounded busy. Yeah. And like in school during like, those two hours it was it was like school wasn't really happening right it was just like everybody was just there and like waiting for time to pass type of thing yeah it wasn't like math class as usual you know no not at all everyone was just kind of like talking to each other something that never happens during class <laughs> they were like giving us permission to talk instead of like saying stay quiet like they just knew that we had to express ourselves and try to like deal with what had happened at the time i didn't think anyone in my classroom was affected directly like they didn't have parents or friends or family that were in there so nobody was like hysterical crying but we were all just kind of like in shock and yeah even and the teachers like at that time like they didn't know what the hell was going on they mm -hmm. were like yeah to figure things out themselves exactly just kind of like waiting to hear from like what the mayor was up to and what he was going to do or the giuliani at the time yeah. then when you went to your friend's house 
Like, how was that? It was just like, because I remember like when I got home, finally after like when we heard, we were just like watching the TV, watching the news. Every single channel was, you know, it was like the same exact thing. And you know, I don't remember watching TV actually. No. Do, you, do you remember like what you did, like when you went to your friend's house? We were just in her room listening to music. We didn't turn on the radio or anything like that, mm. I guess. You just like CDs or whatever? Mm-hmm. Carried on as, like, as normal as possible. Like a, regular, like a 15-year-old, a teenager. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then, do you remember, was there a point where you realized like, oh shit, like thing, you know, like something really, something serious went down? Well, yeah, it was serious because it was the Twin Towers. And I remember like thinking sometimes during like half days at school we would like not go home and we'd go into the city actually remember mars 2112 that was like this restaurant that was kind of like mm-hmm. remember we would the outside it was like it looked like like junk kind of yeah like like, like planets and yeah, things yeah, yeah. um and we would go into the city we'd just take the train to 42nd street we'd be there chill all day we'd walk from like 42nd street down to like downtown brooklyn i mean not downtown brooklyn downtown manhattan mm-hmm. and i was just thinking like imagine we had gone to one of those like places that we would go to and it would have happened to us but thankfully it didn't but it was so random on a tuesday and sometimes we'd be out in the city just trying to have a good day because we were like off from school or whatever and to think it could have happened to anyone that was just on their way to work or just crossing by because they worked across the street you know it just sucks it's crazy I actually work right now with someone who's also one of the last survivors that they pulled out. She wrote a book about... And she was there? She was there. She worked there. And she was, came down with the building. And she was trapped. And she was, one of the, she was the last person that came out. Oh, wow. That they pulled her out. And she wrote a book. And it's called um, Angel in the Rubble. But the angel is not her. Like, she's not referring to herself. Mm-hmm. She legit was talking about, in the book, she talks about how there was someone there, like, with her, like, trapped also. But she couldn't see them, but she could hear them. And it turns out that there was nobody. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, if you want to call it God or an angel or something. Or maybe it was a firefighter that then passed away. Who knows, but somebody was there, like, saying, we're going to be okay. Someone's going to find her. Yeah, someone's going to find us. And she. What's her name? Janelle. Is her name? Damn, that's. Crazy. And she got married, and afterward, um, like she was here illegally. Mm-hmm. She's from Trinidad, and she was so worried because when they <laughs> found her, and they started like asking her for her paperwork and all this stuff, like eventually, like to get her name because she was the last survivor, and it was like a big thing. And she was just kind of scared to even speak up because she was there, like she worked um, for the Port Authority, but as a contractor, like as a kind of like on a temp agency kind of basis. So she was afraid she was going to lose her job and all this stuff. But um, they actually paid for her wedding. Bride.com or like something like that mm-hmm. paid for her wedding. Um, she got to write a book. Like she was on CNN, I think. Wow, that's crazy. Back in the day, yeah. That's a sick story. And she works like four cubicles for me. <laughs> She's been wow. with the Port Authority for like 25 years now. I have a coworker that actually she she told me her her husband worked at the t- at the Twin Towers when it happened and like that day the night before he was there like super late mm-hmm. 
and because of that he was going into work late the next day because he wound up like getting stuck at work like extra work or whatever so he took like the like a later shift the next day and that one of his like close friends co-workers he had an alarm that was like an a and b type of alarm and when he like he set alarm a when he was going to go into the into the office early and alarm b when he was going to go into the office late and Sinkere, by mistake, he pressed alarm B when he was supposed to press alarm A. Oh. And he was supposed to be there, but then he pressed alarm B by mistake, and he was, and like, he, pissed when he woke up. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so late to work. Oh, I was supposed to be there early. And then he turns on, like, the news and stuff like that, and he, and he found out that, like, 9-11 happened. That's crazy. So it's just, like, a lot of sick stories like that. Mm-hmm. And also, when you hear about all the people that came to help afterwards, like, they just... Mm-hmm. They didn't leave the building. Like, they would come out, but they'd go back in. That's kind of crazy, like, to have that kind of, like, courage to yeah. go back in. Like, like in and out, in and out, yeah. Yeah. A lot of firefighters died that day. Mm-hmm. There's this famous guy. I forgot his name. Um, The guy from Forrest Gump that he's, like, one of the people on the Bubba Gump shrimp. Skinny one. Bubba? No. Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> no. Wait. Is it? No, not Lieutenant Dan. Anyway. He's like an ex-firefighter or something like that. He's famous. He's an actor. And he volunteered days after. When I read that, I was like, oh, crap. Everyone was like, just like had a connection with the loss, even if they weren't here. Anything else you remember around that time? No. When we actually, when we came back to school, they had us write, like, they gave us all like a pre-printed handout that said like how we felt about 9-11 like you could write a poem or just like an essay or whatever to like, express yourself somewhere. yeah and we, we all wrote something and that was it you remember what you wrote yeah i wrote like a cheesy poem some of it rhymed yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have it somewhere tucked away because i throw i haven't thrown away any like paper that i've ever been that i've ever written or has been given to me i have it at home in my under my bed and you recently wrote a post about 9-11 you said right Yes, I went to visit the 9-11 Museum, which I didn't do it when they first opened, when, like, the mm-hmm. rush and everyone was going. I just went randomly because on Tuesdays they have a free, you can get free tickets because mm-hmm. it happened on Tuesday, September 11. Yeah. So every Tuesday um, you can go online and print out a free ticket. They have a limited number of tickets, obviously, so if just try to do that early. Um, so we went because my friend had free tickets. wasn't like I was actually trying to go because I didn't even know what to expect. Mm-hmm. 9-11 museum like yeah I went once too it was kind of like it was like eerie it was like interesting yeah. but eerie at the same time like it's not something that I was like dying to go see mm-hmm. but then I was like let me just check it out so and I actually was really touched by it I was really touched by it and that's why you wrote the post yeah like afterwards mm-hmm. interesting yes and anybody who's interested can see your post at yes on Facebook on Facebook I guess I'm, I'll try I'll, to send I'll, you the link. Yeah, I'll link to it, like in the episode notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, so 9-11. You and me went to high school together. You're my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I know that the occurrence of 9-11 changed, like, the trajectory of your life, technically. Um, not that you wouldn't have wound up joining the army anyway, but that's something that you've told me was a, one of the reasons why you decided to like join the army. So what this episode is is like a, like I told you before is like a bunch of people just saying like where they were when 9/11 actually happened, like where they were when they first heard, and 
That's it. Where were you? Just to start us off, like, what's the cool way of holding the mic? Like, I know when they rap, they cover half the mic. Or like Hove. Bottom, or how is yeah. it? Like Hove? Yeah. That, that's, that's how like it sounds good? Right, cool. <laughs> um, no, I've always been patriotic. Um, but I signed up to the military before 9-11 happened. Actually, a month before, me and Avi went to uh, my cousin Avi Gonzalez. Went to go sign up to the Army. Um, it's something that I always wanted to do. And... Uh, before, before it happened? Yeah, before, yeah, yeah, we signed oh, up sure. in August. I signed, I knew I wanted it since I was a kid. And um, at 16, I, w- I went to the recruiting, no, 16, 17. Well, yeah, 17 years old, I went to the recruiting uh, station, and I needed a signature from my parent. And Which I, way, you went to the one on Leopards? Yeah, Leopards and Liberty, yeah, right by that banging halal truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went over there, and the guy promised me, you know, that I could go home every weekend and fucking... The like world. I, yeah, everything. I could yeah. take a helicopter straight from my room, straight to Brooklyn, <laughs> to, to Queens. And, you know, everything is all nice and dandy, and I could take vacations whenever I want, whatever. And um, my, mom was, my mom was like, heck no. I'm sorry, my dad was like, heck no. You know, you're, you're not going to do that. He never wanted me to work, and let alone fucking go to the military. So I had to get my mom to sign the waiver. And, uh, how'd, you, how'd your mom feel about it? Like when you told her, she always supported me and everything. Everything since I was 15 years old, I was started packing bags with, with her brother, uh, who had a rest, who had a pizza a pizza restaurant at um at the Western Beef Dam Metropolitan. And um, I used to go with him. He used to open up the restaurant, and then I used to help him set up, like like 4:30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. And after we set up, when the supermarket opened at seven, I would just go straight to the cashier's line and, and start packing bags. So I've always, you know, she, she's always supported me in that. Which, mm-hmm. When my father didn't want to. Anywho, because your um, pops wanted you wanted to like provide for you, and he didn't want you to like pasar trabajo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that old Dominican uh, mentality. So anyway, but I, I I know I always wanted it. I always wanted to be in the military. I always wanted to shoot guns. I wanted to be a cop. You know, know that know that good stuff. And uh, so I signed. So I went, and uh, he said no, and uh, my mom said yes, and she signed, and that was in August. That's when Abby had graduated too from uh, from uh, high school. He didn't know what to do. He was at his house not doing anything. And he was just like, "All right, Steven's doing it. Let me do it too." So, uh, so we both went to the to the military base there at uh, uh, last exit on the Verrazano, on the Bell Parkway by the Verrazano, and we signed up to the military. Well, this and is after you sign up first. You go to that recruiting thing, right, on Lefferts? Yeah, we go to the yeah Lefferts, and then they set all your paperwork. You take the ASVAB test, and uh, you pass that. And what is that? That's like the ASVAB test. Is a military test? No, it's, it's a like written. it's a written. No, it's actually in a computer. Mm. It's a computer test, and that basically puts you uh, in what position you're gonna like, in, depending on your score and what job they place you in the military. There's over like a thousand jobs, from like cook to nuclear, you know, fucking plant uh, technician or whatever the heck. It was like the infantry. Yeah, that's where like, you get infantry, like, artillery, mm. car mechanic, or whatever. Like the, the test is actually designed to put you where you fit in in the military. I remember you and Abi, cool. you and Abi used to argue about the the king of battle versus the queen of battle yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, me and him, you know, we're best friends, brothers. Um but we always argue about everything. And um but and he was infantry, which is the queen of battle. <laughs> and uh no, but this is not I mean, this is a fact, but obviously, <laughs> you know, he makes the fun of it. And um and artillery is the king of battle. You know, we go and we destroy everything. So he signed up to I actually wanted um I wanted to jump out of airplanes and the job they had jumping out of airplanes was artillery. Um, which is a uh, 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 13 Bravo in the in the army, which is our an artillery crewman, and uh, your job is to like uh, to deal with these 119ers and these 198 howitzers, you know, put a miss, put a round in it, and uh, you know, and send steel down range, and then you know, so it was pretty cool. I was like, shit, I'm gonna be jumping out of airplanes and blowing shit up. Why not? And sign me up. So I signed up, and then uh, so me and Abby signed up. That was August, the beginning, or I think it was middle middle of August. I know the summer was ending when we signed up, 
And then we start school again, which is, I think, what, the last week of August that we started yeah. or the first week? Yeah, something like that. last week of August. I remember I was smarter than you. I think I started first because uh, so, I had okay. I had three classes in my senior year when you when you went to school you, you nine to five. Like a, like a, I le- yeah, no, 11.30 or something like that. I used to get out of class. Because I didn't like gym and I wound up having like three gym classes <laughs> in my senior year. <laughs> Nothing to do with smart, but... Okay. By the way, 20 was a smarter one. I, I jumped from, like, freshman to, like, junior within, like, three years. I was a knucklehead in my first two years, and then I met this girl, and she switched my life around, and I started going to John Adams to night school, summer school, and I did, like, like within a year, I got all my credits back, and, like, my senior year actually worked out. I had, like, quick. I had, like, three classes. Yeah. It was, I remember it was that shit. You used to leave, and I was, like, coming You're in. going in, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so, um, so, yeah, yeah, so, uh, 9-11. Um, Where were you? Like when when you first heard the news? When you first heard that there was like something going on? I think I was in Mr. Setron's class. I think it was a math class. Mm, I remember Mr. Setron was a biology teacher. Okay, I had I know, have, have something. I know he was goofy with white hair. He was in science. Yeah, 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 I know it was science and math, one of the two. But I remember I think it was in his. I was in his class, and I took a pass to go to the bathroom, go to the restroom, come back, and while I'm coming back, somebody screams through the hallway, "Yo, did you hear the the the, the towers got hit?" I'm like what? Like, yeah, yeah, they got hit, but it was probably one of these rich motherfuckers, you know, with a helicopter or something. Oh, shit, yeah. So then I go back to class, and I said, uh, hey, Mr. Sutron, did, did you hear what happened? He said, yeah, we, we heard. Go, you know, sit, sit down. Um, the, 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 the principal's going to speak now or something like that. Like, an announcement was coming or they were commencing something. I don't know. And then, they, you know, we got the news that the, that the second plane hit. And they were like, oh, shit, it's, you know, it's a terrorist attack. He said, everybody stay put. Everybody stay put. You know, they, you know we're probably going to go in lockdown. Right there, I freaking put my bags in my book bag, and I, I remember going out the back door. A bunch of us did. We went down the stairs, and I was like, let me, let me get the fuck out of the school before it gets, you know, shut down, and then I can't leave to, like, and then you you're know. And stuck inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly, for, like, a couple of hours or even the next day. Um, I really didn't call anybody because I didn't have anybody that worked in the city. My father was a bodeguero. My mom was not, uh, yeah, my mom wasn't even working at the time. I think she, she, she used to help my dad out. Elaine was in Thomas Edison. Um, I really didn't have any family. Well, Thomas Edison was in Brooklyn, right? No, no, that's Queens. Oh, okay. That's uh, by Jamaica State around there. Oh yeah, yeah they're yeah. good with like um, mechanic like and electricians. Yeah, there. around there, yeah. yeah. They have a specialty in that. And so I don't really have people. I wasn't really worried about people that you know, like close family members that were there. But you know, of course, you know, you worried about the other other people's family members. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't remember calling anybody. Like you know, did you get out the building? Were you there? This and that. I think Vicente. I called the only thing. The only person I called was Vicente, Abby's brother. Cause I know he worked in the city. He had to do something with uh, like MTA or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I know he worked in the city. I don't know what street, but I just called him anyway. You know, he said he was good. And it actually went through, like the phone calls. Cause I remember like no, no, I remember I couldn't even call my mom. You had to call like, yeah. like crazy, like yeah. crazy, like crazy, and I was to calling see a lot. if maybe something goes through. Yeah, I remember I kept calling, I kept calling, and I couldn't. And then when I got home, I called from the house phone, from the landline, mm-hmm. and that, and I was able to get through. And you know, everybody was safe. My parents were in Brooklyn. I was in Queens. Elaine was in Queens. You know, everybody was good. Um, yeah, and that was that. And then we turn on the TV and we see all this shit that's happening. You know, I didn't get to see it. I didn't get to see it until I got home. You know, everything was just like hearsay in the school and, you know, walking home. I remember walk, walking home. I used to live on 101 Street and our high school was on 113 Street. So it was only 12 blocks down the subway line in Jamaica Ave. And, um, we went home and I started seeing that and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, wow, like I know what what, what awaits me. I know, um, I, I had, had sign- just signed up. I had just signed up because the reason I signed up early was because I wanted, I didn't want to waste any time. And I wanted, I knew what I wanted. I didn't want to waste any time. Like I, I planned, like I go to the military now, I'll be out by, by the time I'm 21 
and you know become a cop that's when you be when you could become a cop at 21 22 years old you know i always had that timeline of, of you know who i wanted to be at what time and um so i knew what awaited me i said fuck man i want to put on these boots and these fatigues and you know and and go fight these motherfuckers and um, like that that emboldened you more like you wanted like it pushed you more to like want to yeah I, I i was hyped and everybody when i remember going to basic training um everybody was hyped like, like you know like Everybody was like gung ho about it, as opposed to like being like, "Oh fuck, uh, what did I do? Just get myself into? I don't want to be." Our in class this. was like probably like four or five hundred people. You know, about three quarters of the class, you know, were dying to put on those boots and you know and, the, and those uh, desert fatigues and, and go and those desert BDUs and, and you know and go overseas to the Middle East and, and fight these guys. You know, you have the other class that just signed up, you know, to get the GI Bill and take the benefits, and you know they couldn't get a job, so they signed up to the army. Mm-hmm. But the majority people that do it like for money and benefits, exactly. type shit, as opposed to to defend the nation. People do it for the country and you know and values and patriotism. Um, we uh, you know, we were hyped. You know, I remember working out hard. You know, we, we would you know the drill sergeants used to tell us this, and we train you hard. You know, you might you might you might not even get to your command. You might get out of here, and they might tell you you know, listen, you're shipped out. So we were you know we we're already mentally prepared six they months prior. Out straight to exactly to so, war. Yeah, and um, how was that? How was that? It, it actually that must happened have been like a like a mind fuck. No, no, no. It, it was to me. It wasn't. I, I actually wanted it. You know, the reason you train, you know, for six months. You know, get five hours of sleep. You know, all the the, the folding the sheets and 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 the push-ups and and all that military discipline they teach you. They almost like it, like set, you it sets you up for that. It. Exactly, exactly. You want to you want to apply it. You know, you you want to go out there and fight and, and send rounds down range. And that's exactly what happened. I I got I remember got stationed to the eighty second airborne in North Carolina. Um, as soon Fort as I got Bragg. there, shout out to Fort Bragg. I remember yeah. visiting you there. When you yeah, were... Fayetteville. That was, that's when we saw Eight Mile. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw Eight Mile over there. I saw it for for the the second time. I saw it, I saw it there. The first time went with my brother and his boy Jeff. I remember we went when it came out. We saw it, and then shortly after that, we I went to to South Carolina to North Carolina with your sister and your pops and your uncle. Yeah. And we're sitting back in the Greyhound and you stood. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and then we, we were having like so much fun like like that weekend. I was like, ah, fuck it. Let me let me stay longer. Yeah. We started, getting, we started hitting all those Southern right? like Sonics and uh, yeah, hell all, yeah. those, uh, all those chicken and waffle spots and stuff like that. All, this, all the stuff you see in the BET videos. Hell yeah. We had so much fun, yo. That so, was a cool weekend. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, definitely. It was like, you know, the first time we actually hung out after like all the whole academy yeah. and everything like that. And the AIT. Um, so yeah, so uh, we went... Uh, you know, it was great. As soon as we got there, they said, listen, don't even unpack. We have military orders for you guys to go down. And I remember that. And I remember going, you know, I got assigned my room. I left everything in my duffel bags. It was like three duffel bags, I remember. You know, big, you know, one was as tall as me. Five, six, by the way. Um, I remember just taking out, like, my underwear and socks and T-shirts, and, you know, the basic things that I'm going to need. Because I'm like, why the hell am I going to pack all this shit, you know, to, you know, head out again. Where, where was basic training was in, in Fort Bragg, right? No, Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, and then Fort Sale, Oklahoma. then you were stationed in like Fort Bragg. Yeah, I, w- I was in Oklahoma first for six months, and then after that, I got sent to uh, for three weeks to Georgia and Fort Benning for airborne training. And from airborne training, I had um I had a week off. I remember taking the Greyhound up there, man. You picked me up at the, at the bus terminal. With Estrella and Christie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. pissed off because somebody stole my PlayStation from my bag. Yeah, I remember. You, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you were like out there. I, me- yeah. I remember there was something going on. I forgot what it was. Though. I forgot yeah, it was yeah. the PlayStation thing. Yeah, somebody robbed my PlayStation on the way. Um, Fuck. And yeah. we chilled for a week, and then I got back to North Carolina, and uh, right there, and we got sent out. That's um, sick. Yeah, it, it was cool. But yeah, that was that's that's pretty much it. I just want like. Obviously, the whole army experience and stuff like that—that's like a, 
that's a whole podcast in and of itself. I just wanted to do like uh, where you were when nine eleven, when you first heard of nine eleven, and uh, like your experience with that. Yeah, rest in peace to all those souls lost, and uh, always remember, never forgotten. Absolutely, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Not that. The third plane that was in play that day was American Airlines Flight 77, which left out of an airport near Washington, D.C. This was the plane that later crashed into the Pentagon at 9.37 a.m. Those are all the interviews that I have for you guys today. And throughout the episode, in my conversation, you may have picked up on where I was during 9-11. But in case you didn't, I'm going to share it with you here now before we get to the housekeeping portion of the episode. I was 17 years old and in high school. I went to Richmond Hill High School here in Queens. And many schools are overpopulated, especially in in uh, bigger cities. Richmond Hill is one of them. A way to combat the overpopulation was that the schoolyard was converted into classroom trailers. So it was literally like a trailer, like, you know, those like home trailers that you would see or like trailers that, you know, some people live in or uh, just picture like an 18 wheeler, like the, the cargo trailer that it pulls in the back. One of those container looking things turned into a classroom and they were actually pretty nice because, you know, they were new when the first plane hit, I was actually in my history class, which happened to be uh, in the trailers. Now, the cool thing about the trailers also was that instead of, you know, being confined uh, within the building, uh, when you had a class in the trailers, you would have to, you know, exit the building and you would be outside basically while you walk to, to your next class in the trailers. And back then I used to smoke cigarettes and stuff thinking I'm cool and just meet up with friends and smoke some cigarettes and uh, before going to class go to class late and and stuff like that so we would look forward to transitioning between building and trailer uh but anyway i was in my history class and a teacher comes in and tells our teacher that a plane hit the the twin towers or one of the towers rather and we didn't think much of it, honestly, the, you know, based on the, uh, both teachers and their demeanor and reaction, we pretty much all wrote it off as, you know, some, somebody taking flight lessons and, you know, in one of those little planes or maybe a helicopter may have clipped the building or the side of a building or something like that. And we pretty much wrote it off and continued with the the lesson. Then about 15 minutes later, uh, the same professor comes in again, the same teacher, and he tells our teacher that another plane hit the Twin Towers. At that point, everybody's mood changed. You know, we were kids, 17 years old, but we knew something was up. And we, going off, at least for me personally, reading off, playing off of my teacher, basically, the oh shit expression came over his face. At that point, he flat out told us that this must be a terrorist attack. 
and I'm not sure I remember exactly if he said terrorist attack or just attack. But he did state that this must be an attack. And if anyone has family that worked in the city, to feel free to leave class now and go outside and try to get in touch with them uh, because something was going down. And that's pretty much exactly what I did. And I left, walked out of the trailer, and, you know, uh, like a bunch of other people did, and started making my way home while trying to call my brother, which I knew worked in the city, but I wasn't exactly sure where or, or how far away he was uh, from the world trade, thinking the worst, and uh, just focusing on trying to get home. And I didn't live that far uh, from the school, but had to take the, the bus to get there. And if not, it would be a pretty lengthy walk, but a doable walk. You know, we, I would do it sometimes like hanging out after school type of thing, you know, killing time and walk home instead of taking the bus. But I walked along towards home, trying to get in touch with my brother, calling, calling, and there was no signal. No calls were going through. And I don't remember getting on the bus, but I must have eventually. Then I got home where I believe my father was there already. And if not, then he got there shortly after I did. And we continued to try to get in touch with my brother and eventually i don't remember i don't remember which one of us but one of us obviously did and he was walking the brooklyn bridge as you guys heard earlier when i interviewed him out of the city and my father and i drove down atlantic and you know there were just droves of people um you know cars picking up their significant others and loved ones and family members and friends the same exact way as we were. And we met up with him and, and picked him up, then went home. And that's where I was and my personal experience with exactly where I was during 9-11. Like I said in the intro, I think it's important that we continue to share these stories with each other. And if you guys want to share yours with me and the the rest of the spun today community or listeners rather feel free to do so reach out to me on uh, through the website at spun today.com through the contact page or just email me at spun today at gmail.com if you like i'll even share your stories on a future episode of the podcast that said let's do some housekeeping and see if we can keep the lights on what's up folks tony here I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. 
The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. 
You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? SpunToday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.